presume in the future, whenever episode 9 gets its arse out, yeah, we'll that we'll be doing that one. Yeah. After that, another year until the um, yeah. episode 9. Best all stay together. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to. Can't believe I'm saying this. It's another Star Wars special of Rebel Chums. We're interrupting our third season of Harry Potter to discuss the final episode until the next episode: The Rise of Skywalker. The final episode until the next. Good. <laughs> I can feel your hype growing again. <laughs> um. So. On a personal level, this is kind of amazing for me because we started this podcast as it was a Star Wars podcast and the whole idea was that we would take Noah through them. It was Noah that gave us the dynamic and oh, it was it really was. <laughs> but and then when we did The Last Jedi just before you moved away and I was like God, I hope everything's kind of come back together and is normal again by the time Rise of Skywalker comes out. And lo and fucking behold <laughs> Norm moves back up and Rise of Skywalker comes out. Woo! I think I know which one of them is the better event. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, no, we have our usual. So there's me, Rob. No. Andy. Jake. The four originals. Um, We're all here to to talk episode nine. Um, We've decided to take a step away from our Christmas gathering with all of our friends to talk about this because we'll all be seeing it in three Priorities, yo. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's the 15th today, isn't it? So it comes out in four four days. days. I'm so excited. Well, as the person who's the most newbie out of the the four of us. The newbie. What are you, the Norby? Obi-Wan Kenobi. How have we never done that before? Oh my god. Um, Do you have any expectations about this or are you just kind of happy for it to happen? Well, you're glad it's over. I'm not glad it's over, I'm actually kind of gutted. Um, Yeah, I feel like I don't really have any expectations because I've kind of forgotten what's happened in all the other Have you seen the trailers and things? No, I haven't seen the trailer yet, actually. So, as a quick recap, at the end of Last Jedi, Luke faded away after doing Mm. that thing with Kylo Ren on Kray. Luke done dead. Rey (laughs) saved all of of what's left of the Resistance, all like 20 of them, um, using her moving rocks powers, and they flew off in the ship with the broken lightsaber. Um, Holder would die because she used to... Kylo Ren has killed Snoke and is now ruling the galaxy. Yeah. So, there are many questions left to ask, which I've got to say, like, I've seen the trailer, just to answer your question of how <laughs> I've seen the trailer, and it got me a little bit worried, because if you, if you listen back to the Last Jedi podcast, you'll know I'm a massive fan of Last Jedi, and it's definitely my favourite Star Wars film. This almost feels like a return to the kind of Star Wars film that's a little bit more fan servicey, just based on the trailer, because there are things in the trailer like... Well, uh, Palpatine being there for a start. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. Like the ruins of the Death Star. Personally, I think it will be Star Wars in the 10 and 2 position like The Force Awakens was, and that's never a bad thing. It's just the only thing... I'm, I mean, to be fair, they can do what they want because it's their story, it's not mine. Yeah. So whatever. If it, if, if I go in and I think it sucks, I, I, that's fine. I'm I just looking to have a good time. It won't ruin my yeah. life. I mean, for but, me, it's like... Yeah. Last, last time was the supposed, you know last Star Wars film was Revenge of the Sith and to be fair everybody really did think that was going to be the last Star Wars film because 1 to 6 was complete then and that really felt like an ending this one 
it's not going to be end, is it? Let's be honest. There's going to be another film in five Yeah, don't forget the Bird Boy trilogy. Bird Boy's going to have his trilogy. There's going to be more films, but like this is probably the end of the Skywalker saga. It's certainly going to be the last we're going to see of Ray Finn and Poe and Kylo Ren for many years until... You know, in 30 years' time, the Ray awakens when the other, you know, 40-year-old Ray or something. But, you know, it's a, it's a Star Wars film, and it's the end of the nine-episode story, uh, nine mm. story, so I'm excited. I am concerned about Palpatine, but I seem to be the only, one of the only people on Earth who has loved, well, apart from Solo, which was just fine, I've loved all of the three new films. I feel like the Disney sort of era just sort of gets me. So I feel like I'll enjoy it. I'm just really looking forward to having a yeah. great time. Mm. Yeah. I think the one thing I'm worried about, Jake, is the statement that you kind of... Well, it wasn't really a statement. It was just it, the way that Star Wars films strike you is that they seem to be allergic to establishing characters and not linking them to some kind of mythology or lore. And I'm a little bit yeah. worried that my favourite thing about The Last Jedi, which is this emphasis that Ray was Ray nobody, nobody, and that if, no, if Ray is nobody, then nobody can I called it first. And all that... <laughs> I am a little bit worried that they're going to backtrack on that. Just very briefly, any kind of hopes for this one? Any kind of things you want? I've only got three very simple things, which is that one, Kylo Ren, I want him to die because he does not deserve to come out of this Scott 3 He's done too much bad. I hope he doesn't. Would like, you be redeem. okay with him being redeemed and then die? Yeah, he needs to be redeemed as he dies, if anything. Like, he needs to die. Okay. He's, he's done too much. Second thing is please don't turn Ray to the dark side. That's my mm. other thing. Um, please let that be a red herring. And my third thing, I know that... It sounds stupid, but I don't even care. I want Hayden Christensen. I want Anakin. It's the last story of the last story of the saga. I want a brief appearance. Sorry, absolute bollocks. And I'm convinced (laughs) it's going to happen because he's got more and more involved in Star Wars again in the past two years. I am a hundred percent convinced. I'm sure it will happen, but that's just so fan wanky (laughs) offy. He's the main character (laughs) of the saga. He's the main character. (laughs) It's just not, there's no reason, absolutely no reason to no. bring him back other than to make the fans I, go, oh my god, it's him, Christensen, he plays Anakin. You are insulting me here, I'm one of those people. <laughs> okay, so what do you what do you want, anything particular? I want Last Jedi Part 2. You want Last Jedi Part 2? <laughs> um, I don't think we're going to get Last Jedi Part 2, so I just want, there's nothing they could really do that would bother me so much that I would swear it off for life or anything like that. So as long as I go in... And I'm entertained, and I don't think that they've done some. I, as long as they don't think that they've done something cowardly. What if Palpatine creates an army of Palpatine clones to rule the galaxy? <laughs> and there's just thousands and thousands of Palpatines, and you've got to fight against them all. Well, I mean, it'd be a more, of a, a more of an original thought than any other thought he's had in the past, which is just to build a Death Star. Oh, no, wait, that didn't work. Build another one. <laughs> oh, no, wait. <laughs> Maybe, so, yeah. maybe as, as a ghost, he's planning to build another one. <laughs> like, Search for the Death Star Three plans. <laughs> We've had the Death Star Three. Let's be honest. No, what do you want from this film? I just want it to be enjoyable. That's fair. Oh, Fun well, time. Yeah. Also agree with Ray not going to the dark side. Keep Ray good. Stupid. Well, we've not even talked about the title and what we think it means. Oh, I think it means um, Force users being renamed Skywalkers. Yeah, I'm happy to go with that. Yeah, also. That. If only for time's sake. I or, think <laughs> or Ben Solo's redemption. We'll see you on the other side, whenever that may be. Ah, hope it's good. <laughs> <laughs> Good people will fight if we lead them. 
telling me they know me. No one does. Taking one last look, sir, at my friends. Confronting fear is the destiny of a Jedi. Your destiny. So it's nearly a month later, we're back, and we've all seen Rise of Skywalker. Now, I've seen it twice. No, you've seen it just once. Just the once. Jake? Uh, twice. And Andy, how many times have you gone to see this? Three times. Just the three? I was expecting But I'm seeing it for the fourth time in the next couple of days. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah, and there'll be a fifth. So it'll You know if Andy's only seen a Star Wars three times in the first, what? Three, four weeks it's been. I mean, out. I only saw Solo three times. <laughs> so. Well, exa- my point exactly, babe. Mm. My point exactly. Just for people listening, you're going to have to forgive me a little bit. Um, Rob's kind of, dying. Yeah, it kind of breaks the continuity a little bit, but we are three weeks after the um, the intro, and in those three weeks, my chest and throat have not been my best friends. Well, you know so, the answer. If you if you suck the the bond out of me and Jake, it will fully it heal It will you. heal me, yeah. <laughs> yeah g- give me your life assuming, force. Assuming we have a forced dyad going on, whatever the fuck that is. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, going round the the small table that's in the middle of the four of us... Um, it's a small table, by the way. It is a, it is a tiny table. Um, what do we all generally think... Should we start with the should one we do that's what we going do? to be positive? Oh, I was thinking, should we start with what we usually do, which is just ask North. We well, always jump to North first. Like, what did North make of it? Well, what did were you expecting what happened in this film, given what happened in the last one? I don't think I really expected anything, to be honest. I didn't really know what to expect either. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I mean, I've only seen all the films three once, so I've forgotten a lot of shit that happened, to mm. be quite honest. Um, and the last time I saw The Last Jedi was when we did the episode. Really? Yeah, I've not okay. seen it since. Yeah, it's same. been a while. Same. I see. We had the privilege of watching the triple pillar. Oh, of night. course. <laughs> yeah, which, which was amazing, by the way. I really, really enjoyed. Seeing well, <laughs> I don't really enjoy sitting in a cinema seat for seven hours straight, but um, with very small breaks in between, it was a slog. I would have much rather have just done a double bill of Last Jedi and then Rescue. Well, to by be honest, way, based on how this film works out, it would have been more appropriate to do a double bill of Force Awakens, then find out Snoke's dead. Then watch Rise of Skywalker because that's all you really need. By the way, out of interest, the three people who we went to see that triple bill with, um, 
all disliked The Last Jedi and hadn't <coughs> watched it again since then. And on that night, they all said to me afterwards, wow, I really liked that, actually. Yeah, second or viewing they had does it loads of favours. Yeah. I think second viewing does it loads of favours. Yeah. Um, I think the opposite is true with Rise of Skywalker. I think going and watching it again... Um, I, I disagree. I well, didn't. Okay. I, well... I'm nodding my head. Andy, I'm coming to you for this because my general thoughts on it is that I don't think it sucks, but I don't think it's any good either. I just think it kind of it's. I, I'm trying to work out like a pitch for how I feel about it, but like the first time I went and saw it, I had really big issues with um, the execution and the pacing, and I had really small issues with the the plot. And the like, the actual story decisions. Mm-hmm. And then the second time I went to watch it, I had small problems with the execution and big problems with the plot. I feel like the the biggest problem, and it starts right at the beginning, is but I think I mean I, I don't often talk in these terms because I think that if it's not like, as I said in the intro, if it's not my story, then I have no real say in it. But I feel like bringing Palpatine back created a lot of problems. For Preach them it, because. <laughs> Not bringing Palpatine back on principle—that's that's fine. I mean, it it does things to the Star Wars universe again that I don't like, but I don't I don't really care. Like, it makes it a bit exclusive and insular in and kind of regressive in the way that the Force Awakens and the Last Jedi weren't. But at the same time, it does slightly reframe. I was speaking to a friend of mine about this, and he saw it this way, and I was kind of halfway there, but didn't quite fully make sense of what he meant. Um, where this kind of reframes it as something of a Romeo and Juliet Mark II, because it's one family and another family essentially at war for a very long time, give birth to these two children who fall in love, but end up... I mean, obviously in Romeo and Juliet, they kill each other, whereas in this they kind of technically do, but also don't. And So I kind of... I didn't mind that, but it was... Bringing Palpatine back meant that this was essentially not episode nine. This was episodes eight and nine in two and a half hours. Yeah. And it means that the first hour and a half is spent not with necessarily with people sitting down and talking and analysing the current situation. It's just, we need to find this thing to get to this thing so that we can do this. But once we find this, we have to do this to this character. And, but this character has to do this and they can't do that. And we need to go to this place to find this person. It makes it this. feel like a video game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It makes it does make no, it you're right. Yeah, video game plotting is a is a like, term, You've got to get these three things before you can unlock this thing to then do that and defeat the final boss sort of thing. That's what it feels like. And it's a shame because there was a scene that my favourite scene in this whole film is when Finn and Janna sit down in the spaceship and just talk about the fact that they were both stolen and told to join the First Order. I don't feel like there's anywhere near enough of that kind of stuff, which is no. a shame because that's the one character growth moment in the film. Yeah, and it was, the there's, last there's, Jedi there's a different film that was made. You can tell because yeah. you can tell that there were more of those moments. It's yeah. This is the thing. Like for me, I I didn't know how to react at first because I had a very I was very out of sync with everybody else there really because well for one reason I I, I would say I enjoyed it more than everybody else, but the main reason for that I think is um, well you know no. No disrespect to any of you guys who saw it with me, but I'm probably the biggest fan who was there. That oh, yeah. yeah. And probably I'm the only one there who's, like, obsessed and was, like... I think the only thing I'm a bigger fan of in the Star Wars universe <coughs> compared to you is The Last Jedi. Maybe. And I mean, I, I, gave, I love The Last Jedi as well. That's a 10 out of 10 for me. But um, I had already made my peace with what this film was going to be. You know, Robin or you both said that, um, you know, you didn't know what to expect with this film. I, I knew what I wanted... 
but I also knew what I was going to get, which was a very different thing. As soon as I saw that first trailer with the wrecked Death Star and Palpatine, and <laughs> you were no same, Rose right? yeah. at all, no hint of that, yeah. and I knew what type of film we were getting. And my initial reaction to the trailer, Jake will back me up on this, so you remember, that my initial reaction to the trailer was not good. I wasn't happy about Palpatine. Nope. Over the months, I've made my peace with it. I was not remotely surprised that Ray was a Palpatine. Um, and I'm also not remotely surprised with what happened in the end with the Skywalker reveal. So, like, all of that... Yeah, all these different people on all me. these planets who are obsessed with surnames. All of that stuff washed why. over me, because yeah. that's the exact type of film I expected to get. So I wasn't shocked in the way... I think, you, your, Jake, your initial reaction was just shock at the direction they'd gone in, really. And I think what, most people's reaction was, was just shock that it was so different to The Last Jedi. I fully expected it to be different from The Last Jedi. It's, it was kind of worst-case scenario for me, because I didn't want it to be. But I'd made my peace with it. The stuff that I really had a problem with, um, that that sort of spoiled the film for me, was actual filmmaking aspects. It was badly made. Yeah. I think just objectively, especially the first half of the film. I said earlier uh, to one of my friends who who only saw it the other day, I said, "How did you cope with that first ten minutes? Because you get oh my god." Literally in the opening role, you get Palpatine is back and there's being a broadcast saying he's going to take over the universe, which we never hear, by the way. No. So there's that. And then in the first minute, you get Kylo Ren rushing to, he's got this holocron, he's rushing to go and see Palpatine. <laughs> you get the reveal that Snoke was a clone all along and that, that Palpatine's in bats. Snoke's in bats. Palpatine's been imitating both Snoke and Vader. Uh, he has this secret army of 10,000 bazillion planet-destroying star destroyers. And apparently, like, and billions of people who are worshipping him on this planet to help him build those. Yes, and that Palpatine is aware of Rey and is about to give this big reveal about who she is. Cut to black. That's the first... I, I had a look today when uh, I found a not-so-legal copy online. I was just having a look. It was... Literally less than four minutes, all of that happens in. And yeah. then we cut to like Poe jumping through a million say. different planets. And my initial Which is reaction such a was great, great allegory for how this film is yeah. going. And for that, for that, that first hour, I would say probably up to the point where they go to Endor and go on the old Death Star. I think up to that point, I was like, I am not enjoying this. This is a mess. This is a disaster. Um, I thought, I thought it's just, just objectively badly made. I can't follow this movie. The pacing is awful. There's no characters in this film to speak of. It's just people doing things. And I thought this is a mess. And the and second half of that it, is that that the, is the what second the film half of it. Like. I think I think it picked up, and I enjoyed the indulgence towards the end. And there's nothing that happened in the film plot wise that made me like angry. The stuff that made me quite angry was the thematic changes from the Last Jedi, which I just want to want to get want to want to get into more mm, later. Yeah. And particular specific little things that push my buttons the wrong yeah. way but the overall plot eh, it is what it is I, I, as I said I've made no, my piece I with it really so I didn't dislike it as much as everybody else who I saw the film with it's a disappointment for sure uh, but I didn't hate it because no, um, I I turned once the film was over a second time I realised that all the problems I'd had the first viewing I, I kind of realised that like I said they'd all kind of flipped around they'd flipped on their own heads and I turned to Nora and I wasn't really sure what to expect because when I turn to you at the end of film sometimes, I always kind of expect that you have a more positive reading of it than I do. Yeah. And I, but I did, this time I didn't really know what to expect because there were bits where everybody else in the auditorium had kind of left or reacted to something and you hadn't. Can I, can I, I just say no, that out, like, out of all of us, yours was the reaction I'm, I'm most interested to hear because I feel like you're the kind of... You're the general viewer. Like I think you're a better indication of what people generally think about this. So yours is the opinion I've been most interested to hear. 
I think it was quite an enjoyable film. I didn't see much wrong with it, to be honest. <laughs> I'm shocked that everyone else found it so bad. I get why, because of all <coughs> like the previous films and all of that. But as like a standalone film, because I've not compared it to the others because I've forgotten what's happened in the others, to yeah, be quite honest. Yeah. So for me, it was like, this is a fun film. Yeah, it's a little bit weird at points with like the Death Star coming back and just random shit like that. But overall, I feel like it as a film, it was fine. Like there was yeah. nothing wrong with it. I feel like it. The storyline was okay. There was a lot of jumping around, which I didn't like. I didn't like the fact that yeah. you were like flitting between so many different places. But it reminded me of a bit of the first half hour of um, Rogue One, where you go from yeah. so many different. You, you end up on six or seven different planets at the first half act of Rogue yeah. One. Yeah. Did I mean, you manage to follow the plot of the film okay, especially in the first half? Because personally, I think... The I mean, bear in mind, it's been three weeks since you've seen it. You may not have the best... Yeah, I mean, I think... Yeah, just about. It took, I mean, it took a lot more thinking than I thought. Mm. <laughs> it took <laughs> a lot more thinking than most Star Wars films do, actually. Yeah, I think, but it was, yeah, it was fine. But that's the thing that's like what you're saying is it's sort of quite muted, really, isn't it? It's like you don't seem like hugely satisfied, like you said it was fine and stuff. I mean, would you say that they played it safe? Yeah. Is that how? Yeah. That's that's. There the were no big shock things apart from Palpatine yeah. coming back, but then it was just like that was a shit kind of decision yeah. to make, to be quite honest. But mm. yeah, on a, like on a plot level, I don't really mind. It's just that this isn't this isn't the plan that I mean. I mean, obviously, there's been a lot of discussion. There was no this. plan. There is no there plan. Was no, there was and yeah. is no plan. Yeah. But that that yeah. was okay because there was no necessarily not many. There wasn't really a plan between film one and film two. Or film seven. To be and fair, film there wasn't much of a plan between films four, five, and episodes there was. four, there was. five, and no, six. That, but that, like, I mean, yeah, that's, that's there were little details that I mean, yeah, the, the larger yeah. story, but there were little details that are very obviously like the relationship between characters do yeah. change. Like the, yeah, in Luke, a way the that, Luke. I am. Yeah. Well, the I am your Luke father. Moment. We know that wasn't planned essentially because of the Luke and Leia being brother and sister. We know that wasn't planned because he wouldn't have had a big smooch in the first <laughs> film if that was the case. Was it the first one they had a big smooch? Second film. Second the second one film. The beginning. If yeah. that was the case. So, um, all right, all right, girls, strap in because my opinion is Here's coming. the tea. <laughs> I'm dropping the tea. I'm coming in with my feelings on this film, which are many and convoluted. Um, I will preface this by saying first that. Can you maybe keep it under 10 minutes so we can discuss the rest of the film? Yeah, of course. Yeah. No, I'll give a short yeah. version of some of the issues, and obviously as we're discussing things, we'll go through them in more detail. But, like, it's difficult to judge this film because I had such a visceral reaction to when I watched it first. You like, really did. The first know. 10 minutes I thought I you were going to cry. The first 10 minutes I was watching this film, I was like, oh, shit, I'm not going to like this film. Yeah, can I say after, you know when um, uh, Palpatine says, um, she is not who you think she is? I, that was my first, like... Oh no. <laughs> there were so many points in this film. Like, I was watching this with Andy and a couple of his friends, and one of his friends, Mackie, who, um, for the record, really didn't like The Last Shadow either. Um, when we watched that film together, there were points of the film where reveals were made, and there were a lot of reveals made in this film um, for that don't really, to be fair, they don't really feel like reveals because they feel like the obvious choice or the easy answer for me. Um, every time this happened, I would just turn and look at him, and he would look at me, and we'd both be like, what the hell is going on? And that happened like 20 times in this film. A lot of it at the end of the film because of just like the layers and layers and layers of cheese that I've just put on at the end of this film that are just almost too ridiculous to bear. But anyway, yeah, I have like struggled a little bit with this film because I had that really visceral reaction to it and I, it was a case of am I letting my love of a previous film get in the way of how I see this film? 
And to be honest, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because whether we like it or not, this is a trilogy. This is a set of three films. And can I just say that you've been led down that garden path anyway because, you know, this has been marketed as the last one. Like, mm. this is not a film in its own right. This is the end of the saga. Yeah. So you're yeah. perfectly within your right to treat it as part of a great film. Yeah, this, is, this isn't just a film, like <coughs> a third film. This is the end of the sequel trilogy and the end of a apparently a nine-film saga. Um, so, you know, you've got to sort of look at it as, as a whole. And so, the main one of the big three problems that I have with this film, the main one is it's complete erasure of the film that came before it, in terms of everything this film does, thematically mainly, but also in terms of plots, in terms of character relationships, in terms of like the yeah. story of what happens. Like you don't need to watch the Last Jedi to watch the sequel trilogy. I think you need to watch Force Awakens. My biggest problem with this is when that, that Snoke dies doesn't treat the Last Jedi as a red herring. It treats it as a total inconvenience. It's an apology letter to the fans for what the Last Jedi did. That's yeah. what this film is. You, you know, you know that joke that always kind of comes about where it's like oh god imagine if reddit users were given this control. is exactly this film <laughs> this is, is written now. by this is the, that joke manifest it's, it's, yeah. this is this film written by the angry redditors who initially reacted badly to the last jedi and were like the, if you, we were going to make a film this is what we would make instead the petition yeah the, the petition to remake the film this is this is yeah the that's it that, yeah. well that's this is yeah. that remake plus the following sequel in one film and that leads on to my second problem with the film it's a razor of last jedi the first one the second one so rushed because it is just two films in one. When you erase The Last Jedi, you've got to think, well, what are we going to replace all of the plot that happened within The Last Jedi? And to be fair, in The Last Jedi, not that much plot actually happens. No, nothing really it's happens. Like, it's it's set within the space stuff. of like two or three days, if that. So everything that happens in The Last Jedi is like thematic. And so when you erase that plot and erase what happened in it's The Last character. Jedi, you get rid of those themes and those themes sort of disappear from the that's, universe. That's, that's, so, like, yeah, that's more so disappointing. The themes. I, I'll, I'll come back onto that. Sorry, sorry yeah. for no, no, it's fine. I'll come back more onto that later, but that's my issue. The plot stuff, that's all window dressing at the end of the day because I've never really been into Star Wars for the plot. I've been into it for, you know, the way it makes me feel and the, the, world, the, the themes characters, and the characters yeah. and what it's all about. And the thematic changes from The Last Jedi are what I really couldn't get past. So I agree with you on that, yeah. And I, so I don't like the original Last Jedi because it sends a really strong signal about how J.J. Abrams wants the Star Wars universe to be and how he wants it to feel, and that is just not in alignment with how I want the Star Wars universe <coughs> to feel. And I realise that that is a problem with me and what I think Star Wars should be. And that's fine, but that's just how I feel about it, so you know, bitch, deal with it. Um, the second <laughs> issue with the plot, like, it just doesn't make for a good film. Too much plot, not enough character development, too much going on in terms of, like, like Rob said, it, it like it makes it feel like a video game. You're just trying to get from plot A to plot B to plot C to plot D to get to the conclusion of the film so that you can wrap up the saga. And most of it unnecessarily weirdly. Exactly. You would, you'd think, well, I mean, clearly there, an issue with the film is that they're low on time and they've got loads to do. But then so much of what they do in that first half of the film takes up so is completely time. worthless. And it's, there are things like, why did we need to go to um, Kijimi at all. You know, that's the planet where you, you meet the bounty the kind of frosty and... alpine village. Yeah, why oh, did we need yeah, to yeah. go that's there? That's Yes, where, I mean, where I like Babu, to be fair. Where Freebo gets Freak the operation. Awesome. Is there any reason why that couldn't have happened on the desert planet right, right, right at the beginning? Yeah. And oh, did they need to have the whole part of the plot at all? Why 3PO couldn't have just translated it? It feels like, it's like J.J. Abrams is so usually averse to answering questions that he feels like he has to come into this film and answer every single question that ever existed in the sequel trilogy. No one cared about Paul's backstory and about him being a spice runner. Why are you answering <laughs> questions that no one ever really wanted answered in the yeah. first place? And <coughs> like, any, anyone who does care about Poe as a character, the last thing in the world they would want is for him to get a female love interest. 
Right, and talk more about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but the yeah, third, the Jesus. third big thing yeah. that about this film that I re- like, this is a thing that just I cannot forgive the film for because it has consequences outside of the Star Wars universe and has consequences for um, representation in films. It's a complete erasure of Kelly Marie Tran from this film. It's just absolute travesty. Again, like it's not. It's what- just, my problem with this film is not what they do, it's the way that they do it. It's, yeah. And it sends such a strong message out there that the harassment that she received from last Jedi, when she was in The Last Jedi for being like the only significant person of colour in Star Wars, um, who is also a woman, um, the only main character that is a person of colour, it sends such a strong message that, that is, it's okay to bully those people for not being people that you want in films. Yeah, it's... And it's so, made me so angry to see how little she was in that well, film. Well, the thing is, right, they've even tried to sort of backtrack on it now and, and trying to give just Oh, say, oh, we needed some we needed grounding. Someone to, well, we needed yeah. someone to share scenes with Leia. We needed someone we knew back at the Resistance. Well, Leia's a whole other issue. I'm calling bullshit. Yeah. And it's, also, I, don't put like, Leia in. Sorry, JJ, I don't believe you. No, I don't believe this... you. You do, I mean, fair enough, if she needed to be somewhere else... Then that's fine, but the fact is, she had seventy-five seconds of screen time. So yeah, you clearly thought she, yeah. you thought she wasn't needed at all. And he just that she was needed in uh, Dominic Monaghan to basically just fill. That yeah, thing. why was he there? Yeah, yeah just, just basically. Um, I mean, I would just describe him as one of the Mario. Is he Mary? Or? Well, he's Charlie from Lost. That's I mean, he's he Charlie is. from Lost, which is it's why JJ Abrams has cast yeah. him in this. I mean, to be fair, like that's basically what some of the Star Wars films are kind of turned into, where it's just yeah. his friends from Lost being cast in Star Wars films. But yeah, no, it's not. I, just to carry on from Jake there it's not what they do in this film that I have a problem with it's the way that they do it and then the way that they did it and the implications that that has yeah. Yeah. because leaving Rose out of the main mission isn't necessarily the problem it's the way that they just kind of do the whole they even take a whole scene they even pause the film to do the whole oh yeah no I'm not coming don't worry I'm not going to be in this film and it's yeah, like the it's... quick turns to the camera Pepsi can uh, and you, you can know, almost feel uh, like the way this film progresses you can almost feel J.J. Abrams saying like oh I'm so sorry you guys didn't like Rose so we're not going to put her in this film it's entirely for plot reasons it's nothing to do with the fact that she's raising a woman at all but it validates that anyway and it, you can look at the later on in the film and think oh we've got another female of colour in the film we've got this um I forgot Jana. Jana. That makes it look worse, though, if that's the Well, it does. I mean, one, it's like we didn't, you know, um, it's great to have more representation in the film and have more people of colour and more women, especially, of colour in these films. But um, J.J. Abrams is basically sending the message in this film. It's okay to have women of colour in this film, but not if they're a main character. They can only be a side character. They can only assist the other main character. They can only service the main... Yeah. Yeah. The main reason I like The Last Jedi so much is because it is such, like... Above all else, it's such a feminist film. It's about women slapping the, down men. Yeah, the side characters saying, actually like, have impacts. Like, yes, they are main characters. The side characters in this film are essentially main characters. Yeah. And they have such a substantial impact on the people in this film. And this is J.J. Abrams coming in and saying, you know, well, we, the we, can't, we, can't, we can't stop these sacred cows of these characters that you guys love so much by smacking them down with strong independent women especially women of colour so we're just gonna we're gonna we're gonna include people in it we're gonna include women in it we're gonna include people of colour in it but we're gonna do it in a way that doesn't offend you if you're angry yeah and we're gonna have a we're gonna have a same sex kiss but only in a way that China can just easily cut it out when the film doesn't change exactly that's yeah So okay. those are my big issues. I know well, I talked very loudly and talked Honestly, a lot. No, it's okay. You know, the first time I saw it, the second time I saw it, I didn't do it because I knew it was coming. But the first time I saw it, I like I openly laughed at the way that they did the same sex kiss in the first. I didn't even notice it the first. The first time I watched it, I just went. <laughs> 
Because <laughs> they, they've done it in the most cowardly way possible so that they can send it over to China. The people in China like the, who do all this stuff can it. censor it yeah. and the film doesn't change. And they've done it with and one of the characters. They, they, they can stick a Coke machine in front of it. They did something. it with one of the characters that had a much bigger role in The Last Jedi than in any of the other film as well. So they've just taken yeah. someone from The Last Jedi and thought, let's just have them smooch someone in the background. Yeah. Can I, can I... You've actually... No, it's okay. <laughs> because you've actually very much cued me in for one of the big rants I wanted to make. It's um, well, it's not so much a rant, really. It's it's just about J.J. Abrams in general. By the way, sorry, before I get started, all that stuff you said about Kelly Marie Tran is like literally the top item on my list that I've written here. I, it made me so angry. It's just, and I think I just, I just, yeah, I, it, and my heart broke for it. And I think I, I'm, I'm extremely unimpressed. I think it sends out an awful message. And I, yeah, just want to express our podcast's solidarity with Kelly Marie Tran. Yeah. And yeah. I, I feel like I physically am not able to like this film because of what it did. And the message that it sends out in that case. Anyway, that said, let's talk about... Right, J.J. Abrams and his approach... Are you going to do his TED Talk? And his approach to, <laughs> to making this film, right. All due respect <laughs> to J.J. Abrams. He knows how to make a film, he made a very satisfying film with Force Awakens, and he created one of my favourite TV shows of all time. I have no dislike of J.J. Abrams. But, if I had to pick someone to finish off a story that has been going on for 40 years, the last person on earth I would choose would be J.J. Abrams because he has never finished anything nope. in his life. That's not an exaggeration. I looked down his IMDb. He has never finished anything, ever. He bailed on Star Trek. He bailed on Lost. He tried to bail on Star Wars until we called him back. He doesn't do endings. And it shows because he doesn't really know how to. It seems from this. The thing is, right? It goes if, if against. Every, to... It goes against all of his principles as a writer. He's so good if at creating it... mystery boxes, but he can. He can't tell people what. But, to but do. that's he, it. he doesn't need to figure out how to do it because I think the Last Jedi. Actually, one of the best things about the Last Jedi <coughs> is that it very clearly clued you in to how you should take things forward from here. Right, there are two quotes from The Last Jedi that I think actually tell you straight up how to do the next film, which is first of all Rose's line, which is, don't destroy things you hate, save the things you love. Because, I saved you, Daddy. And that's how we're going to win. It's like, you know what? You know how to make a success of this, even if you don't like it. Embrace what you've got and use the tools you've been given. Don't just wreck it because you didn't like it. Use what you've been given. And the other thing, the other quote from that film, which is in Jake's favourite scene ever in Star Wars, which is the Luke Yoda scene, is when Yoda says, we are, what we, we are what they grow beyond. And I thought, that's such a perfect idea for what this trilogy should be about, which is that the original trilogy, like the original cast, if they look forward to this story now, it's like, it's not their story anymore. It's, it's changed now. It's grown beyond that. And, you know, the, the parents of, you know... Hmm. of our generation now, the people who saw the original trilogy back in the 70s and 80s should be looking at this trilogy now and thinking, actually, you know what? This is for our kids now. Times have changed. Whereas the opposite seems to be true, and he doesn't seem to have heeded that advice at all. He even kills Luke in Last Jedi to get rid of him. And has instead doubled down on everything that Last Jedi tried to get away from. And especially in one particular area, which is the whole like writing approach to these characters, which is Ryan Johnson said... He said his approach to writing The Last Jedi was, what's the worst thing that could happen to each of the heroes? And if you look at what happens to them in The Last Jedi, that's what happens. Rey basically... Yeah, it was about receiving information that's not comfortable, right? Rey's got no family, she's no one. Finn and Poe both try to prove themselves as heroes, but get basically the whole resistance killed. Luke is... Luke uh, turns out to be basically unhelpful. He's... he's, he's, And he's wrong. He's wrong wrong about everything. He's wrong about everything. He dies a failure. But that's... 
Great, that's exciting. It's new. It left us in genuinely uncharted territory. Yeah, and like, I feel like J.J. Abrams' mission statement in comparison is, what is the easiest, neatest way yes. to tie up all yes. of these characters? That's exactly the sort What's of What's the laziest way we can take it? It's like, well, Finn's not got much to do with this movie, so let's just out of nowhere make him Force-sensitive. Let's just make him a mm. Jedi. Poe's got, uh, you know, no real happy ending here, so let's just give him a last-minute love interest that hasn't been set up in any way. Ray. Uh, wants a family so let's give it two let's make her Palpatine and Skywalker and create this incestuous web of families that Rey is part of at the centre like honest, some I don't mind Buddha. all the stuff like that I feel like all of that could have worked much better it's just that we never actually get any time for any of that to really have well, it has no consequences. It has no, it, it has no consequences because or... it doesn't ring true in the context of what we've already yeah, seen. Yeah, like the whole point of Last Jedi is that anyone can be a strong Jedi. You don't have to be like you know really amazing, a, a part of a connected family. Um, and the Last Jedi comes along and said, "Yeah, you don't have to be connected to a powerful, the Skywalkers to be um, you know a really powerful Jedi, but you either have to be connected to the Skywalkers or the Palpatine. It's one or the other. You can't just be a powerful Jedi. You've got to be connected to some some old Layak family. You've got to have lineage. My 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 friend Al, who I'm going to name check here because he said something to me this morning that I actually thought that is like that sums it right up. Where he was he wasn't a huge fan of the Last Jedi. He liked it, didn't love it, but he said that last line where Ray says I'm Ray and, and the woman goes Ray who? He said really the appropriate thing for her to say would have been just Ray. That's what she should have said because that's what the Last Jedi established. That's that would have been on theme. To have her say Ray Skywalker, it's, it spits in the face, really. If I was Ryan Johnson, I'd be pretty offended by this film. As I say, well, not for the silly plot like... things like Snoke is a clone or Ray is a Palpatine. It's for the more thematic things of like what it means to be a hero in this galaxy and like why these stories should be inspiring. It's completely reversed, and I feel like I would, yeah, if I was Ryan Johnson, I would be taking quite personal there's so, offense. There's something you always say about like um, shocks in films, and it's like when I was watching The Last Jedi, um, things happened in The Last Jedi. There's Luke throwing away the lightsaber and him, his reaction being completely not what I expected, to be fair. Snoke dying, um, all these things happen in The Last Jedi that are genuinely shocking and make you think, what? Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Whereas, of course, in Rise of Skywalker, Things happen and they're shocking and they're like, what? I mean, to be fair, they're almost not even shocking to me, but it was like, what? What the hell is that for? You know, it's the different reactions. It's a, It shocks you, but then it makes you think, actually, that makes a lot of sense I in was, one um, context. I was recently listening back to our episode about The Force Awakens and there was a bit in it where I said that a problem in the J.J. Abrams films I've enjoyed is that quite often something will happen. You'll want to sit and get an explanation and then J.J. Abrams will go, doesn't matter, you don't need one you enjoyed it, didn't you? And, and I go, leave you oh, well, kind of. And then it's straight on to the next thing. In the and context of the first film of the trilogy, that's sort of okay, because you've almost got two other films to explore those sort of themes. And to be honest, I thought that all the questions he raised... I mean, to be honest, I think The Force Awakens is great. I think all the yeah, questions he raised were excellent. I think it's great. And I, and I still will go to the grave saying that, as much as some people think, <coughs> oh, it's a lazy rehash of A New Hope, I always thought that that's, that was right. That was what Force Awakens needed to be. It needed to be this launching pad that got people into the story again, and then it, we go from there. And The Last Jedi actually delivered on that and gave us like a genuinely new, exciting direction. I think both Force Awakens and Last Jedi totally hit the mark in terms of what they needed to do. And this is just 
as I say, you know, J.J. Abrams is not someone who specialises in endings. A lot of the people's reactions to this as well is sort of like, um, you know, I've read it a lot and I see what people comment on this. And the fan base in general quite like this film because I feel like it's a bit of a return to form in terms of the Star Wars mythology. There's a lot of stuff from, like, like no, you you don't know Star Wars much. There, there must have been so many things in this, like, film that were just, like, either went unnoticed because they're so connected to the Star Wars universe that you just, unless you know so much about the Star Wars universe, you won't notice it. Mm-hmm. Or things that are just like, what the hell is that? Yeah. Like those Sith trackers at the start, like, those are weird. I'd never heard of them before. The Wayfinders. Oh, the little, the little, little triangular thingies. Cute yeah. Things. Like, well, I'd never heard of them before. They're new. The idea that, like... <laughs> yeah. Right, okay. Like, the idea that Ray and um, Ben are, like, some sort of forced dyad. Yeah. Like, also new. Like, I'd, like, that's new, but, and like... the fact that they can give each other life and heal Yeah, each other also new, so don't worry. Yeah. No, that's, <laughs> no, 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 the force giving life is not a new thing in the Expanded Universe. I mean... Well, no, it's not, but to the extent that it's shown. I here. find it kind of funny how, like, when Disney took over Star Wars, they just, like, completely threw out the expanded universe, and now all they're doing is mining it for... I know, like, that things. planet, that Sith planet, did you know what the hell that was? I, I had no idea what the Sith planet well, was, e- and I've got Exegol, which is, like, the, which is, like, the stupidest name for a planet. Well, here's like a thing. That, like, well, no, it's a thing, but it's not called Exegol. And it, this happens quite a few times in this film, and in Force Awakens as well, where he'll use something that exists and then just badge a new name on it. It's like, you know, Jakku, yeah. it's, it's Tatooine. Like, That's what it's I thought, because it looked yeah. like Tatooine. It did. But it's, it, oh no, it's not Tatooine, it just looks exactly the same. It's called right. Jakku. Okay. And then it's like, there's, there's always been a Sith planet like that, that idea that there's this planet full of dark sides where you can go and like raise a Sith army and stuff, but it was called Dathomir. Now it's like, oh no, it's called Exegol. <coughs> it's the same thing, but it's called Exegol, so it's new. And it's like, even, right, even to the extent, it really made me laugh, you know that... Um, they land on a different moon of Endor. Oh, it's you. not the forest moon of Endor. It's a moon called Kef Beer yeah. of the planet Kef-Bir. Endor. Oh, I see. Because it's like, it's, come on, you, you're basically, you're trying to have your cake and eat it. You can't use these things, but then not quite use them. It just makes you look yeah, you know, childish. I mean, to be honest, yeah, just talking about that a little bit, one thing I was a little bit not... It's, it's not me who was personally insulted because... Our trilogy, our people our age, our trilogy was the prequel trilogy. That was the one that we were. Su- yeah. That was the one that was geared towards us. We no, were I agree. kids. Like, yeah. So you get the kids who grew up in the seventies and eighties. Obviously, their trilogy was um, the, the originals. You get the kids like us who grew up in the nineties and noughties. You get the the, the the prequel trilogy. Kids who grew up in the two thousand tens and obviously the twenty twenties. Now, this is going to be in quotes their trilogy. I but, well. and, I don't think it will. But, well, this is why I get a bit... This is kind of what bothers me most about it, which is that the kids who grew up in the 70s and 80s got their trilogy. The kids who grew up in the 90s and the noughties got their trilogy. It wasn't very good, but we got our trilogy. The kids who grew up in the noughties and... Uh, the kids who grew up in, like, the 2010s and, you know, that, that generation of kids, they have two films, and then this last film is for the kids of the 70s and 80s and 90s who were upset with the direction of this current. So what's happened is two generations of kids have got two trilogies of their own and this new generation don't have a complete trilogy. What I was thinking of is, when I was watching this, I was thinking of you, Andy, when you said that the first Star Wars film you ever saw was The Phantom Menace and, Jake, the first film you ever saw was Revenge of the Sith. There are going to be kids out there whose first ever experiences with Star Wars and probably only experiences with Star Wars are going to be The Force Awakens yeah. and The Last Jedi. They not might just, not be in that it's not just numbers. kids. It's just I, I've encountered lots of people in my life who, 
they saw the hysteria around Force Awakens and watched that, enjoyed it, went back to watch The Last Jedi. To them, the story starts at Force Awakens. So, like, for example, in when the open and crawl without context says, Palpatine's back. This is my big... This is my really... Like, Who's Palpatine? <laughs> exactly, because yeah. this is what I was thinking yeah. of. If No, if, if, you, if we hadn't taken you through the prequel trilogies, you wouldn't know who Palpatine is. Yeah. I mean, you would get a general idea from the original trilogy, but unless you went back... And like, so I'm, I'm thinking to myself, there are going to be kids out there who have no idea who Palpatine is, who won't remember who Palpatine is. They won't know his significance in the story. They won't know, they won't understand now why he is now the big villain of the entire franchise from start to finish. They won't, uh, that it was all his plan in the background all along. And I don't know, I feel like if you build up somebody that much, when you kill them, it ultimately just makes everybody look stupid because mm. if he's been planning absolutely everything, every step of all of this, and he's been voices inside oh, people's heads... It doesn't heads, matter what happens, he's always one step ahead. He's always one step ahead and whatever. But then, it, it, ah, yes, I have foreseen this. And ah, it, and it was like, you know, at the start it's of the film, he's like, go and get Rain, kill her. And then, and then he brings... Like, Rain makes it back to him alive and he's like, ah, yes... I have foreseen that you would do that. Yeah, like very was going I wanted you to come here. This is what because I wanted you to kill me, and then she doesn't kill him. In fact, I didn't want you to kill me. I wanted you to both be here so I could sap your life force. It's like what? Choose a plan and stick to it, man. Like yeah, it's like he summons Kylo Ren at the beginning, but then it's like now watch the last Skywalker die. Who are your allies and who are you? And it just and it just it makes it look so. <laughs> it just makes it look so silly, but I was just thinking about all these kids. They have no idea who Palpatine is, and now he's like um, no, the I mean, thing that ties I think, it all I think together. There is a point to it. Uh, there's a phrase first, and I can't remember what it is. It's like a sort of villain genericness, where it's like you know, a villain's a villain. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, you can get drawn into to that level. But in terms but, of the significance, but I suppose that I mean, I keep saying that this is my problem with it, and it turns out I just have a list of them. But it's like <laughs> this tries so hard to be the this tries so hard to be episode nine of nine that it forgets to be part three of a trilogy. I, that's what I, I don't understand um, about this. Film. That is bang on. That's it bang just on. yeah. It, it feels like it tries to be part two and three of a trilogy, but also part nine of a nine episode story. But also, and it's like you don't need to tie everything up. Like episodes one to three were tied up and self-contained in episodes one to three. Everything about four, five, and six were tied up in episodes four, five, and six. Why can't they do the same thing for? Seven, eight, and nine. Yeah, no, they, they had was, such a, They had a complete blank slate after Last Jedi. It, it really and, does come down to it. I know it's a boring answer, but there was just no oversight. There just wasn't any. Yeah. There was no overall direction going forward, and it, and it is abundantly clear on screen in this film. And the thing is, you see, you see this film being like a lot. Like I said, I listened to a lot of people read it, and the explanation for why this film delves so much into um, stuff that happens in the original trilogy and the characters from the even the prequels like you would think that Palpatine coming back would be really great because the best thing in Revenge of the Sith and the prequels in general is just Camp Palpatine but it's almost like J.J. Um, Abrams subscribes to prequel memes on um, <laughs> and like he, he literally uses a line I from, think there is like, a little bit of prequel memes in like this. the uh, dark side of the force there's is a pathway to many, many abilities some would consider that and it's like he's done that so everyone who was prequel memes go oh my god he said it he said a line from the prequels ah sort of thing and it's like he is so trying to appeal to that and fandom. the placement of that line that line is literally used as the explanation <laughs> Yeah. Palpatine came back to him it's like 
Don't ask Dan how he came back. Just he is a meme it. for you. <laughs> Which, you know... <laughs> and it's like people are saying, it's okay, we can do this, we can justify the story and it wrapping up the way <coughs> because it is film nine of nine. Um, but... I, when The Last Jedi came out, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't remember any of the marketing being, this is a continuation of the Skywalker saga. This is a This is the penultimate episode of the this Skywalker, race, Skywalker like, saga. Not, I feel like, right, I feel like, I feel like I've like gone to the toilet and come back and everybody's <laughs> talking about something that I missed the start of the conversation. I was like, when did this start being the Skywalker saga? Exactly. It's Hello? Just Star Wars. Did any of you watch Last Jedi? The whole point of it is that this is no longer the Skywalker saga. And now here you are coming in like, look, this is the end of a Skywalker nine film series. It's like, Bitch, no it ain't. There are so many people that have only watched Force Awakens and Last Jedi. Yeah, which the Skywalkers to... were seven and eight about? Like, no, yeah. like, I don't give a shit about wrapping up what happened in 1 to 6, because what happened in 1 to 6 happened in 1 to 6. Don't give me any of that crap. Don't bring get back any of those characters. I want to see what happens to these characters here and what's relevant to them now. And do you know what, was, what should really piss off fans of the original trilogy that it doesn't seem to have done? is that this now completely undermines Vader's whole redemption. Yeah. Like, well, if you look at... Um, by bringing back the guy he killed to well, save the galaxy. If, can, and, I give, can I give you what is supposed to be the genuine answer to this? I just, just, I don't agree with it, but just as a, you know, kind of fact. What is this official so, Disney... The, the official line on it is that Anakin brought balance, and this was a moment where the balance was threatened, but Rey maintained balance. Um, Anakin says as well in his little beyond the grave bit he says bring balance back as I once did so make of that what you want anyway well, um, yeah. I agree with you because like you watch episodes <coughs> 4 to 6 and it feels like Luke's story like Luke's development story and what's happening with him and the relationship between him and who turns out to be his father and that's really cool and then you watch episodes 1 to 3 and that's all Anakin's story and that's all about how Anakin became Darth Vader and it almost seems to like add another layer onto episodes 4 to 6 and it turns the films 1 to 6 almost into a story about Anakin and Vader what happens there but it doesn't rewrite any of what happens with Luke like Luke's still significant in 4 to 6 and now episodes um, 7 and 8 came out and they became about new characters and what these new characters were getting up to and what their relationship with the Force was and what with each of us but then film 9 comes out and now all of a sudden all 9 films are a story about Palpatine like <laughs> that's what it is like <laughs> it's that's, like Palpatine's come in and there's like a real <laughs> argument that the real name should be the Palpatine saga. Yeah, because that's what these sons are villain at all. Like it's got. He is the one continuing character. You can say Ray's Ray Skywalker at the end of the film because she has a nice relationship with Leia and Luke, but it doesn't necessarily make it true because that just doesn't speak to me as a fan of these films. So this is not the Skywalker saga anymore. This has almost become Emperor Palpatine's rise to power, then drop loss of power, and then trying to come back right at the very end. Yeah. Like, and- before we move into positives I have two more complaints left I've got loads more but I do think we should have (laughs) some positives for now at least because there are there there are positives (laughs) in this I feel like we've just you know we'll spend the first half on the negatives we'll do some stuff on the positives I imagine we'll come back around to the negatives just sort of by default and then you know (laughs) so my first other major complaint is that there are an endless series of fake outs in this that really drive me up the wall because this doesn't feel I mean I, I went to see Cats recently <laughs> and that film <laughs> I liked your um, summary of Cats on your um, letterbox page no 
No, just say that we're, you can I just say we're, no. we're not doing Cats for Rebel Chums? No, no. I'm not but, doing it. I'm not watching it. My biggest problem with Cats is that, yes, okay, there's been all this talk, and it's it's justified about how freaky it looks and how difficult it is to look at because of the mess of the CGI. What? You think I don't want to see Idris Elba's bumhole? Uh, well, <laughs> hey, well, you see a, a bit more of Jason Derulo than you expect to. But, um, but my biggest problem with that is that there is no, there's no plot in Cats. There's a concept. No, there's no plot in the musical, to be fair, either. It's no, all... exactly. So well, the gimmick it's... works on stage, so that's fine. It, it, but in the film, and obviously it's just a series of cats introducing themselves for an hour and 15 minutes. Then for 15 minutes, they work out which one of the cats is going to get sent onto the afterlife or whatever the hell it is. Did you watch Cats with Rob? No. And then it just ends. <laughs> like, it's, and Good so decision, it's, no. So it was hideously boring, and there's, there's, there is no plot. It's a concept for an hour and a half. Do you feel like your money was stolen to watch that film? No, well, I didn't pay. Got I'm, I'm on my limitless oh. card, so I'm cool. Oh. But um, my problem with this is that there is a plot, but there's no actual sense of story, because every time there's a bit of conflict or something to worry about or something to add a bit of doubt in the mind or to for people to speculate over oh d- don't worry doesn't matter hasn't happened you think oh no Chewie's dead and that actually got me that got me oh, first I, I, was I, was, I was crying I was, when he, I was dying I was crying when he died and it, I was completely <laughs> filled and I thought what a great idea oh, yeah. such, yeah, a, strong, man. such thought, a strong implication for yeah. Ray's character as well I thought that, that, yeah. that, that raises the stakes I thought that makes it real that Ray like, like, actually turns to the dark side she's killed Chewie and suddenly it matters that was great suddenly it matters that Ray's a Palpatine yeah. because she just killed one of her friends and she's yeah. got all this dark stuff but conflicted in her but doesn't matter, he's alive. And like 30 <laughs> seconds after they kill him as well. They don't like, even leave it 10 minutes. It's so, can I just so say, bad. Well, like, Ryan Johnson would have done it. He would have just killed Chewie there. I think it would have been a really safe and sensible decision to kill off Chewbacca in 3PO in this. Because, like, I mean, oh, not yeah. to not to bring it back to, like, Game of Thrones or whatever, but... Okay, fair enough. They build the Long Night up to be this bloodbath that ultimately, in the end, it kind of wasn't. But... In the last group of episodes, before the very end, they kill off Jorah and Theon and, I suppose, the Night King and stuff like that. And it's not major, massive characters, but characters that, once they're dead, it's a bit like, oh yeah, God, this is coming to an end, isn't it? What What is this show really going to do long-term with that? Well, there is no long-term because it's ending. I feel like with Chewbacca dying, that would have been like, oh. And it's not like, not like a key player, but like a big part of the furniture. Yeah. Whereas if, if you get rid of him, it's very much a no seriously guys, this is the last episode. Characters like Chewbacca are gonna die in this episode. And it's like with three PO potentially losing his memory. But not really. But and it's like but with three PO losing his memory, it's like, well, yeah, see three PO, he's been in this since the beginning. That was but, so frustrating because he were making such a poignant point about drawing. Oh I've just thought of another way drawings. that we could do this. And then it's like Fuck Well yeah, they make this whole like thing about droids being, you know, cre- like, Ray's really kind to the D1, is it? Or Dio. Dio, who is adorable, by the way. Um, like he's by JJ He makes this really yeah. important point about, yeah. oh. <laughs> about being kind to droids and making them people, and then suddenly one of them is disposable because they've got information and they need it, and then they sacrifice yeah. themselves, and it's a really poignant moment, but they just play it off for laughs the entire <coughs> time, and then he comes back and... Yeah, okay. I mean, first of all, we'll go through favourite characters in a bit. I think that's probably a good idea. I've but... still not um, ended my fake outs yeah. in Jupiter. Yeah, of course. So, I'll let you go through. But well, the, the way that they yeah. play that whole drug thing is just it's so frustrating. And it just undermines something that is already built up. And they built, like J.J. Abrams builds up a good theme in this film and then undermines it himself by turning yeah. it into a comedy moment. And you, you hit on it at the beginning. I know it's not, I'm sort of paraphrasing it, but this whole thing of like plot is not the same as story. 
that plot is a series of incidents, stories about development of theme and getting and from A to B. Feeling plot and is just stuff and... that happens. And you you know, I think a bad film is about plot, a good film is about story. Mm. So. And it's that that's the the problem with cats is similar to the problem with this, where it's like the problem with cats is that once you spent five minutes learning about one character, you then have to spend the next series of five minutes is learning about loads of other characters. And in this, it's once you've completed one side mission, there's another one immediately afterwards, and another one, and another one. So once you've reached the end, it's like lots of little tiny mini stories happening within this larger arc that doesn't seem to have any kind of control. And it's like so with so when Chewbacca dies, it's like oh no, Chewbacca died oh god this really is the end and it's like nope we can't kill Chewbacca we won't do that don't don't worry he's too sacred and then like with C-3PO it's like oh god C-3PO's gonna have to have his memory wiped Copy really must be coming to the end oh god this is really no doesn't matter and then but then that's also a problem throughout the rest of the film where you get like um, what is it called now the, the skimmer the thing that was going along the water on mm-hmm. uh, Kef Beer yeah. and it's like oh no she took the skimmer to go to the Death Star. Oh, don't worry, there's another one. Yeah. And then it's like, oh no, Kylo Ren destroyed. There's always the... a canal. Yeah, and it's like, That's oh how no, it made me feel. Kylo Ren has destroyed the Sith Wayfinder. Don't worry, there's another one. And then it's like, oh no. That's how. That's how it. It reminded They've... me of in the Simpsons when they're watching Nightboat. Don't worry, there is a canal. And yeah, exactly. And the way they saved Chewie as well. Like it turns out there was a second transporter all along. Bitch, I didn't see a second transporter. You said like you there saw is it, the second you? time. It's you do have to be like eagle-eyed, but it's oh, on right, screen okay. for like a it's split like, second. It's in the first shot before. Uh, see. No, the other, the other twist that actually, there was a twist that really got me, and I thought that's a great idea. I really enjoyed it. Not everyone agrees with me on this, but um, the hooks twist, the general hooks twist of he's the spy. I like thought, the idea. I thought as an execution. idea when he when he said it, I'm the spy, and out that was so out of nowhere. I was like, whoa, that's a good <laughs> twist. Didn't see that one coming. And seeing him like help them and stuff, I thought this is surreal. This is really weird. I didn't see this part. Then, of very next scene. Like yeah. I'm really enjoying this, but then they just kill him off. So what's it matter? And then you yeah. also get things like, um, oh no, they're trapped underground in with this big space worm. Doesn't matter. Ray's got healing powers. And then there's also like. There's, and there's lots of this like potential for worry and for conflict and for and uh, uh, the other one as well is oh no that they're trapped on uh, Kajimi because the first order have got this big thing around the planet doesn't matter because uh, the the Alpine snowy village where they meet um, Zori Bliss yes um, it, it doesn't matter because Zori Bliss has got this special coin that only she has that gets you past no. all the borders. Even, when Kajimi oh, oh, gets oh. destroyed, you assume that Zori Bliss is dead, but don't worry, she just happens she's to saying, not be like, on the planet <laughs> so she can turn just, up at the end. And Babu Frick was there as well. <laughs> like, why do you need that anyway, that whole coin thing? Just say the planet, the, I don't know, the ship's too close to the planet to have its shields up. Like, just say something like mm. that. You don't need to introduce this whole coin thing that, where she's given up a personal sacrifice. Like, because moments like that would be nice if this character had any development but she hasn't I don't know this character I don't all, give a shit all this stuff really says to surprises. me is the attitude that this film has taken in general which is that if you were ever worried about anything to do with Star Wars and if you were worrying about what we would do with this film based on The Last Jedi don't worry you don't have to think you don't have to doubt anything don't worry anymore we're just going to Stroke your belly. This is Star Wars of a lobotomy. This, this is, is the thing, is. I think, to be fair, <laughs> I think, to be fair, you know, we're doing a podcast here where we're talking about the film for hours at length. I think if you just 
want to go in for a good time if you know if you're doing your Christmas shopping and you're like a family of five and it's what should we watch that we all agree on let's watch a Star Wars yeah, like I think it's you know it's not a bad film we'll, I think we'll it's just not you know, to positives. most of the Star Wars well not the prequels but mm. I think most of the Star Wars films are great films this is just okay and like you know I enjoyed watching it I think in some aspects like it's an action packed film it looks really good I mean it's not I don't think it's filmed with any like particular deliberation deliberation. like Force Awakens and particularly The Last Jedi are like you know they've got such a clear directorial yeah, vision yeah for all this like. film looked good I can't like, think of any really memorable like, yeah it's just whoa, like whoa what a it's shot like, it's like, like competence directorship it's like it's fine he gets the shots in but there's no like there's no vision for how this film is directed it just it looks pretty well, good it's, 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 so, it's, it's I mean it's, it's slowly emerging now that this was actually a very troubled production yeah did you know that Ian McDermott only came on board about six eight months ago like basically at the point he was announced in the trailer is the point at which he started I working on the movie apparently um, it was someone else wasn't it yes it was Matt Smith filmed all the scenes in the movie apparently the idea was oh, that he was uh, cast, Palpatine Palpatine inherits a younger body and the role of Palpatine was played by Matt Smith in this film and that would have been they decided oh no let's just do actual Palpatine got Ian McDermott <coughs> in which is why all of his scenes because prequel memes I mean all of his scenes are in are one kind place of, are in, literally in one spot why he has to rush through all his dialogue with oh yes I created Snoke and also uh, let's let's kill me to inherit all the Sith and then here's a Force Storm. Speaking like, of it, that, all it was Ian McDermott at the last minute and there's loads of things like that where like clearly loads of stuff was cut with, with cut with Lando clearly loads of stuff was cut with Janna because there's pieces that's like why are they in this movie so th- there is a whole different movie here. That I reckon there's hours of cut footage. The whole Palpatine in one place thing as well. Before he gets re- re- resurrected. Any of you guys have played Paul? Yeah. yeah or Paul yeah. 2. How much does Palpatine on an arm remind you of Kloros? Like, he's just sort of <laughs> on this weird robot arm, like, going around, like... Saying one little word lines and stuff. I've got to say, to segue into, into positives, I actually really like well, the I look of Palpatine. Body, I really like the look of Palpatine, this whole that he's basically just a corpse, he's not alive, that he's got mm-hmm. milky white eyes. I actually quite like that. I thought he was genuinely quite creepy and scary in this He one. was, but it's just like, he's he's... Kind of creepy in the prequels, but he's amazing in the prequels because he is more camp villain than creepy, and he's like he's hilarious to also laugh at as well as think, "Wow, he's a cool villain." But this is the first this time one, he's just like trying to turn him into a horror. But villain. this is the first time we've ever seen him not trying to like to seduce someone to his side. Mm-hmm. This is the first time we've ever seen him just be straight up. He is what he is. He's just an. Evil oh, we see guy. that when he's battling Yoda. That's true. Other than that, but yeah, it's fun. Yeah, that, no, that is His true. His battle against Yoda is fun. He's like cackling. And, and I like, just think this is where we <laughs> This is the reality of Palpatine. He is a deeply like he's a demon. But is basically. it is that the reality of Palpatine? I feel like that's a rewrite of his character. Like we see, Palpatine is just incredibly camp fun villain that is just one sorts <laughs> of power in the prequels, and then in the original trilogy, like. You, you get you still get that campness and stuff, but he's a little bit more sinister. And in this one, he's just like they are literally trying to turn him into like some, I don't know paranormal activity. I, don't know, I just yeah, I saw a different side to Palpatine in this one, which I thought was really cool. I thought he was genuinely quite scary in this. So, but um, no, if, not yeah. none of him falling over chairs, which is disappointing. No, <laughs> um, my last kind of major complaint is more of a question, um, and it's just it, it, honestly the way this film has ended. And like all of the things I've taken away from it, it's just made me think: what was the point in anything after the original trilogy? I know, right? Because like the end of Episode Nine, in terms of the lessons that it teaches, and in terms of the emotional climax, and in terms of like major character decisions, it's basically the same thing 
as Return of the Jedi, which is where Luke has a choice between the dark and light side of the Force, and he chooses the light side of the Force. And in this one, Rey has a choice between the dark side of the Force and the light side of the Force, and she chooses the light side of the Force. Because we always knew she would. Rejecting Palpatine in the process, which is kind of what Luke does as well. And it just... And instead of Vader coming in to save Luke and throwing Palpatine off the edge of the world, it's Kylo coming to save Rey. And it just... I just feel like The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi kind of set everything up to be... Yes, like The Force Awakens was like, yeah, the past is important, but it's a skeleton, and it's something upon which we will build a new story. The opening scene that we're introduced to with Rey is her literally picking apart and scavenging the, the past for her own benefit. She's a scavenger. She takes bits of the past, puts them together, and repurposes them for something new. And that's a really which great is, way of introducing a great way of fans, introducing new characters, but also giving and, a nod to the people that watch the Force. Yeah, exactly. I mean, my favorite shots in the Force Awakens are of like the Crash Star Destroyer, and like these these ghosts and these skeletons and these myths and all that. Oh well, I hope you are pandering for a you know a crashed um, um, Death Star as well. Uh, well, and and well, even stuff like that, you know, it, it's just it's this kind of like it's this skeleton. It's this this kind of a big story happened here, but we're not quite aware of what it was and. And then The Last Jedi is basically, yeah, that stuff did happen, but it led to a lot of trauma and a lot of grief and a lot of repeated mistakes and all the people that we cherished and all the people that we celebrated in Return of the Jedi just kind of ended up making the same mistakes that led them to where they were in the first place. And you're thinking, all right, okay, yeah, no, there's a great direction you're heading in here, really appreciate it. Whereas this one is just like, actually, you know what? Episodes one to six are the most important thing in the universe. Eight... What's that? What? What was the Last Jedi? What? No, we haven't released any films for the last three years. What are you talking about? Yeah. And it just so I'm I'm just sat here thinking, what was the point of this new trilogy? And if you don't have a a plan from start to finish, then it's very easy to ask that question. But you could easily put together a competent film in two years based on what the Last Jedi was left, because the Last Jedi basically left J.J. Abrams with nothing which meant that he could start, not nothing in the sense that, oh God, he had nothing to work with, but more, he had a complete blank slate. It was very easy. It was about abandoning the ties of what happened in the past. So uh, you yeah. Free to do what you and want so to go ahead, want. finish it off in the most, in the easiest way possible. Just have a two hour battle for all I care. And, but it just, instead what they've done is they've invented an entire new trilogy and squished it into a film. A, a film and that the, the message away that I've taken away from it is the same message that I took away from Return of the Jedi which is how old now and how long ago now and, and like I mean at least the end of Revenge of the Sith was like completely different well because that led like, into a story already level. didn't it as well so you know <coughs> there was an element of sort of like George Lucas had to tie up loose ends because it wouldn't have made sense otherwise. And it's not like I'm so massively invested in this that I have I consider it to be like a waste of time, you know, like in the end it's a thing that happens on a screen in front of me, it's not that important. But spend so much more like the effort of the people who were involved and who actually made this, I'm trying to work out what the what they were trying to say 
with this. It felt like with The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, they were both films that tried to say something. Like Even to be fair, for all their faults, the prequel trilogy was more about how bureaucratic red tape and government complacency... And at least our film works as a trilogy. To, can, ...can lead to darkness taking over. If anything, I think that's how the world works at the moment, where you have quite a lot of centrist neoliberal governments who have eventually just kind of not noticed the rise of extremism and look where we are now with a series of far-right governments internationally dominating a lot of discussion and a lot of voting booths. So the prequels have kind of got a real-world equivalent and that was basically what... You know, there's a lot of indecision on the part of the Jedi and the Senate and the Council that allows darkness to rise and be in charge by episode four. The the original trilogy's general message is a little, a little simpler than that, but it's pretty clear and you know communicated. Whereas with this, I feel like the message got completely lost along the way. I feel like it's people are trying to pin this as though J.J. Abrams and Ryan Johnson have gone to war with each other over their respective films. But I think what's happened is that Disney have just given the worst possible combination. This they've given this franchise to the worst possible combination of directors for it to make sense from start to finish. Nothing works. It's just J.J. Abrams is all about questions and he's all about setting things up to be interesting. And he's also about fan service as well, which I think in The Force Awakens plays just fine. And then you give the second film, the middle film, the connective tissue to a guy who has explicitly stated a million times that serving the fans serves nobody. And then you give the last film straight back to the guy who doesn't really know how, doesn't like answering questions that he sets up, doesn't really know how to do it, because he always says that the idea, I mean, I guess you've watched his TED talk, Mm. where he says that the the possibility of what's inside the mystery box is way more exciting than actually lifting the lid off. And Ryan Johnson, to be fair, lifted the lid off and went, there's nothing in it. And it doesn't really matter. Fuck you. There's nothing in it and it doesn't matter. It's just a box. Whereas what J.J. Abrams... Which is arguably the only satisfying way to answer that sort of He's question. now lifted the, mid off, lifted the lid off a different mystery box, and it's just a flurry of answers that have just... Yeah. And it's just... It's two, it's two or three totally different approaches to filmmaking that have just wound up with this franchise ultimately kind of adding up to nothing new. And that's a shame, because I felt like the first two films, as much as I don't think that they're... I mean, I think The Last Jedi is massively underwritten. I think it's nearly a masterpiece. But as much as the first two films in this franchise aren't perfect, they were something new. Whereas with this, it just feels like a regression. It's just in, it's, a, in a lot of ways. It's easily summed up by being a film where J.J. Abrams doesn't care of the consequences of what this means for the Star Wars universe or film as a whole. He just wants to make a film that the fans will be pleased with, and that's it. There, I mean, like he sees it as the end of the Skywalker saga, the end of a nine film saga. So we've got to make sure that this is a film that fans are going to enjoy. And because he makes it a film that fans are going to enjoy, it makes it a film that's impossible for people who aren't really that big fans of Star Wars to really either understand or like make sense of or even enjoy that much. It's just like it ends up becoming a mediocre mess as a result. Do you know, it's kind of funny. I, I didn't think I'd ever bring up this kind of comparison, but it reminds me a little bit of um, Labour's approach to um, Brexit in the last election, which is that they underestimated the divide between the two sections and they tried to please everybody. Which, to be fair, I think their stance on Brexit was totally fair. I think that they tried to spread this message that, yeah, okay, you may have voted to leave, you may have voted to remain, but you don't have to hate each other. Mm. You can come together and enjoy this and we can make the but best... But that just ignores the fact that people did hate each other and that there is a division. And I think with this, it's kind of a similar thing has happened, where I think J.J. Abrams has misunderestimated 
wait, no, just underestimated the divide between the two Star Wars camps at the moment, which is those who liked The Last Jedi and those who didn't like it. But the, the thing is, um, like, I don't think this film necessarily caters to either of those camps. Like, there are people that I've seen who like The Last Jedi who also really like this film, but they like The Last mm. Jedi for different reasons to me. And, and there are people who didn't like The Last Jedi who are now saying, well, yeah, I didn't like what The Last Jedi did in terms of the <coughs> story, but you can't just completely ignore what happened. Yeah, that's, just, that's basically yeah. what the whole fan base thinks. One thing that everyone agrees on is that what's done is done, and you should never wreck on, you should never reverse, you plough on. What's done is done. The Last Jedi happened whether you liked it or not, and you can't just go back on it. You can't take back reveals that you've already made. Um, and, you know, I, I would be a little less kind, really, than what you said about J.J. Abrams, really. There is a clear personal rivalry going on here. There, there are moments in the film where it's like, that just didn't need... That that was too far. That was unnecessary. Oh, that's where, no way to treat a Jedi's <laughs> weapon. <laughs> like that. It's completely superfluous. doesn't matter at all. And I thought that was just unprofessional. Like, you just literally just prod him. That was my least favourite moment of the film. Yeah. Like... Luke coming out as a force ghost and catching a lightsaber that's thrown away. It's just like, it's literally J.J. Abrams saying, um, Ryan Johnson shouldn't have made Luke throw away the lightsaber. That was wrong, because that's just not how things should be done. And we know that Luke had a journey in Last Jedi, and he realised that he was wrong eventually, and that thing that he didn't need to become more involved. But, like, this is just the complete rewrite of his character and erasure of his character from The Last Jedi at all. Yeah. Like, he catches the lightsaber and is like... Like Rob said, don't you know a Jedi's weapon needs more respect? It's like, could you literally have shot any more on yeah. Ryan Johnson? Yeah, that's that's it. a Jedi's weapon deserves more risk. But while we're on that, but while we're on that scene, can I now segue us into some positive stuff? I was just because, about to say, yeah, um, there, something you said earlier where you said that you know it's it's very easy to make a competent film out of the way the Last Jedi left us, and there was loads of stuff in this film that is. Actually, I wouldn't say it's easy to do so. I would say that it's easy for somebody like J.J. Abrams to yeah. do so because he knows what he's doing generally with this kind of stuff. He knows how to put these productions together. Well, yeah, well, okay, yeah, fair enough. But I mean, there's lots of stuff that like seemed like quite an easy call, seemed like stuff that you know is a good idea. And on the last Christmas special we did, I did a sort of brief overview of how I imagined it going. It was very kind of vague, but a lot of my general ideas actually happened. Where my idea was that, well, the resistance is dead, so the way this should go, the way to make it a real ending is to have a people's uprising across the galaxy to end this once and for all. That's what happened. It's just the execution was very different to how I imagined it. I imagined the scene in which um, Kylo Ren is starting to doubt himself, and then he gets a visit from a force ghost of Anakin Skywalker to basically say, you know... Slap him around the face and say, "Come on, you're going the wrong way here. You can come back to your family. You can come back to your family at any time. Stop this. This is not what we wanted for you." And that happened. It was just Han Solo <coughs> that did it, rather than Anakin. But the one thing that was really weird is that I've always had this random idea in my head for years and years and years. I had no context at all. The first. Well, the second trailer for Force Awakens played this music in the trailer called Yoda and the Force, which is the music they use when Yoda lifts the X-Wing in Empire Strikes Back. Oh, and yeah. ever since then... Oh my God, that is another grown ev- Stop it. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't finished the point. Stop it. Ever since we've got... Ever since then, I've had this random idea of, huh, wouldn't it be cool to see Luke lift an X-Wing? 
and that was literally the whole point and that was just it that was the idea yeah. and then Luke died uh, well no and then at the beginning of Last Jedi we saw an X-Wing in the water and I was like oh my god he's going to do it he is going to lift the X-Wing but then Luke died and so an idea I think that I said last year for something I wanted to see happen was that Rey is like miles above a ship that she needs and she lifts a ship and I, want, and I thought that's a cool thing like a generational thing is if you have Rey lifted up and play that music but then Luke turned off to appear as a ghost. And I got the scene that I'd imagined all these years where Ghost Luke lifts the X-Wing, that exact music plays. It's literally, it was like pulled out of my brain from four yeah. years ago. And it just kind of made me well up a bit because it was like, my God, that's like my, my imagination has come to life here. So, you know, there was lots of moments like that where it was like, I got the payoffs I wanted and things. Obviously, that scene in general was really But that's Jesus. because this film was about fun well, payoffs. And I didn't get it in the form that I wanted. But the idea of a bunch of ships from around the universe of just random people turn up to fight the First Order, it's exactly what I wanted. It was just the execution that was... Avengers portals. I think... That, well, I think that that's where Broomboy is. In my mind, that I've decided no, to put... I never thought, too young I never thought that Broomboy was going to appear. I, well, no. not not. What's well, that Broomboy trilogy, guys? Well, Broomboy was. It wasn't necessarily Broomboy. Wasn't about Broomboy. Broomboy was what he represented. Broomboy yeah. was that anybody could be a, a Jedi. So my idea is, you know, a lot of people are wondering. Well, what does that mean then? But so my thought is that Broomboy was just on one of those ships, and we didn't probably got. He is a small child. They're not going to send him to battle. Uh, you know, I was very much starting with my positives, but now that we're on that scene. I've got a whole thing prepared on my Well, list. you know what? We'll come yeah, back no. to that. Because, oh, like, no. I have so much I want to say about the ending, but let's, let's take okay, a break right. to talk let's, about let's, something let's have a Let's, let's have an interval for positives. Our favourite characters, should we do? Ray. Ray. She's the one and only character well, I guess you're going first. Film. Yeah, I'm going first. <laughs> I'm just saying it. I'm st- I don't want anyone else to take it. I don't want anyone else to take it. Ray's always been... Well, not always been, but since she arrived, Ray's been pretty much my favourite character in Star Wars, full stop. I've always just, like, really enjoyed her journey. I've totally got her character. And I think the idea in this film that she finds out she is part of a famous family, but it's not the one she wanted, and then actually she rejects it at the end, and it's like, well, you know what, I can be whatever I want to be, I have my own identity. Quite like that. Again, I don't like the execution, but I think Daisy Ridley does a really good job. Yeah, you can't fault the cast, really. I love, love, love the idea of all of the Jedi from the past cheering her on, and that Rey is like having her moment in the sun where she becomes, you know, this great hero who her defeats I the am Sith. Iron Man moment. Yes, yes. I mean, you say, you say that, but, you know, just, cause, just because people have been heroes in other movies doesn't mean that no one's allowed to be a hero. Yeah, I'm not saying that, but people yeah. have okay. to, uh, characters right. are allowed to have the big you're, My problem with this film is, again, because it erases something that the last should I did. We're on positives, Jake. No, I know, but I just, I just want to make this point. Luke... <laughs> literally says in while he's on the island so you know what do you expect me to do go down and take the first order down with a laser sword jj abrams comes along and said no i don't expect you to do that but if you've got two laser swords (laughs) it's okay you can do it for starters ray kills one person in the whole film and that one person then ramicades and explodes and destroys everyone else and all of the ships go down no like all of the ships are destroyed by the people across the galaxy we've had this argument before you cannot convince me (laughs) that not that destroying the most powerful person in the whole galaxy does not have ramifications for the dark side because it does her destroying palpatine is what destroys everything else she destroys the dark side but he, she doesn't destroy the First Order. Oh, come on. Like, the, the point isn't that Luke is she saying... She only destroys the First Order bits that 
we see because there is a bit of a throwaway dialogue where Finn says, "Oh, there are people rising yeah. up all over the galaxy." Then we go to all the planets where people are rising up, destroying them. Yeah, but that point, that point, that um, but the it last makes Jedi significantly is like it's it's about how you can't just go in and be a hero and be this like big character that comes in with incredible powers and has a laser sword and takes someone down. It's about it's about collectivism and it's supposed to be about people coming together to do those sort of things and working together and coming up with a plan that works. That's what the last Jedi is all about because. Poe tries to be a hero and gets slapped down. Uh, Finn tries to be a hero and gets slapped down by Rose. Okay. Rey, Luke, um, Ray thinks Luke is going to be a hero, but then Luke's like, nah, that's just not how this works. And then this film comes in and is like, nah, we have this one big hero and we want her okay, to Okay, so just as, assume, assuming that the last one has to have a villain, how would you dispatch that villain without having someone in some way defeat them? Well, because I would have, first of all, I would have had Kylo Ren be the villain. Okay, so yeah. how would you have him defeated? He would have, in my in my mind, I think he would have sort of realised himself what had happened and what he'd become. Sort of do a Vader, but for himself, and destroy himself. So what's Rey's heroic moment in that story? Why does Rey have to have a heroic moment? My body is a protagonist. <laughs> right. yeah, a pro- protagonist doesn't have to be a hero. They're not the same thing. You don't have to have someone come in with a big, uh, with... The weapons come in and destroy the big bad of the film. Like I get that that is how the Star Wars films usually work. I know it work. gets a lot of criticism, but a good example between the difference between a protagonist and a hero is Jon Snow in the last season of Game of Thrones. Well, I mean, my comparison—I I, I have sort of have a bit on my list in he how I have unfavorably. Uh, I'm reminded of Game of Thrones season eight by this film. So <laughs> you know, I might skip I, that one if you want. Of, <laughs> I've been having a lot of thoughts about it as well because for a long, I'm obviously in the camp of Game of Thrones fans who. Saw that, you know, the last season had problems, but I still liked it a lot. And I thought that what they did was really bold. And I think it takes... When you're managing a franchise that big, I think it takes guts. As I've now seen with Rise of Skywalker, it takes guts to do what people don't want you to do. Mm. And so, I think, fair enough, they didn't quite manage to stick the landing, but I think they generally did. But with Jon Snow, it's a really good example of a, a, a typical kind of hero protagonist doesn't get a hero moment in the final season. The closest thing he gets is having to kill his own lover. Which, was, and, which and I think... doesn't even lie doing it. You know, I found deeply unsatisfying. Deeply, deeply unsatisfying. Uh, well, exactly. Whereas, and, and I would have found it deeply unsatisfying if Ray had gone through all of these three movies without ever having won anything. Yeah, because Ray never had a hero moment in the first two films, did she? Well, uh, she right. defeats Kylo Ren in the first film. I think. I think she defeats Snoke and all of the <laughs> soldiers in the second. Film. I just think you're going a little bit too far here. No, with, I just. You're going. I know that you love the Last Jedi, but the reality Personally, is I don't the really reality have a is problem with Ray killing. But yeah, the reality is that this is not the middle chapter. This is the last chapter. Yeah, <laughs> the villain die. has to die. Yeah, but the, the hero has to accomplish well, their mission. I mean, first of all, the, story that villain didn't even have to be there in the first place. No, so. but a story cannot work if the protagonist does not do something that the audience feels proud of them for doing. What? To be fair, what? They do the Harry Potter thing, which is where she doesn't actually kill him. The villain kills themselves yeah, by Potter going too far, but it's it's like that. <laughs> it is a Harry Potter. It one is, it's the same as Harry Potter, where it's like Voldemort. Harry, Harry doesn't kill Voldemort. Get Voldemort's own spell key. rebounds back at him because Harry deflects it. Harry's always, Harry's first. I mean, everybody kind of jokes that Harry's only spell is Expelliarmus, but that's because he doesn't ever want to hurt anybody. He just wants to disarm. And him. I presume that Palpatine being the one that gets killed is the reason that Ray then doesn't become the new Empress of all of the Sith in her, because she doesn't do it because he does it to himself. Right. Yes. If she strikes him down in anger, then he will become more powerful. Yeah, so there's that aspect as well, Jake, is that she doesn't even actually kill Palpatine. He kills himself. I mean, she does get the big rise, 
Rise, this is the name of the film, so you've got to do it. I think, I think, yeah. I think you're sort of looking for any excuse to poke fun at no, it. Why? Why? Because I, th- <laughs> I think if you're at the point where a hero is not allowed to defeat the villain, then the film. I'm can't not saying win. the hero's not allowed to defeat the villain. I'm just saying don't do it in a way that is just so obviously cheesy and over the top. Like with the whole um, all of the Jedi coming back and all of the like, get out your two lightsabers. Which I, you know, I actually kind of like the idea that um, Leia had her own lightsaber. And would she had she been in that film properly, I would have loved that to have been like something that happened. But let's talk about Leia's execution. But she doesn't. She doesn't defeat like, him with the two lightsabers. That's just symbolism of Luke and Leia here. That's that's all. That is. It's just. It's just. It's too much. It's just. It's like. Let's take what the last Jedi said about um, not being a, um, a massive hero and like being the one person to go down and destroy all the First Order, and let's just shit on that and just get rid of it because it doesn't matter and it's my film and I'll do what I want. Right. Well, continuing with the positives then. Yes. Anyway, sorry. Well, I do like you like a big list of just to, I, I do like race car- like race character for the most part, and I love Daisy Ridley and stuff. So you know, I do have think positive things about Ray. So. In that she chooses her own destiny at the end. Well, I think it's something. I want to oh, don't tear your face up at that. <laughs> I, I, I want to compliment. She chooses who she wants to be. How can you argue with that? No, yeah, that's just that actually is fully on theme of the last Jedi. No, it's no, just no, the no, fact no. that she says Skywalker is the problem. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's why I'm rolling my eyes. Hey, what they do, it's the way that they do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, as, as a character, and not in terms of the things she says or the actions she takes, just her development as a character, I think is I got exactly what I wanted. <coughs> Yeah, generally. I mean, not in a in a way that's like massively satisfying or different, but just in a way. And there was stuff like, like, I don't have a problem with race character in this film for the most part. Um, I I have a problem with what they do with her at points, um, and I have an issue with bringing back questions that have already sort of been resolved in race character. Like they have this whole race conflict of her being Palpatine, and maybe she's going to go to the dark side and stuff. It's like we had all of that. Might Ray go to the dark side crap in Lost Jedi? Right, well, while we're in this positivity section, I think I might need to start blowing the negativity horn. J.J. Abrams is um, bringing back character acts that have already been a part of the series for her and we don't need them anymore that's because the first hour and a half of this is his episode exactly exactly. Um, but um, I mean I was going to ask because we always usually jump to North first who was your yeah, favourite sorry, character no, let's talk this. about your favourite character Okay, we'll talk about. I reckon I know who all three. I think it's time you had about twenty minutes of just talking about this film. I think they're Babu Frick, yeah. Dio, yeah. and oh well, I was going to say BBA, but BBA doesn't. The slug do, BBA, on the Millennium Falcon. BBA at the start of the film. BBA doesn't do much in this. I would have said BBA, but no. how about the giant snake that gets healed? So who was who's the third one? C three PO. Oh, three PO. Yes. Very yeah. I think he was. Less insufferable in this film right. than the other. I really enjoyed. You know, I would go one step further. I think he's great. I yeah. think I think three PO up to the point where his memory gets wiped. I think he's excellent. That scene where he just turns around, like everyone's looking at him because he's done something stupid, and then he turns around. <laughs> and he turns around as well. Yeah. Yeah. when he's in the winter coat with the sun up. Why do we never get to see all the locks on C three PO? C three PO wearing clothes is something that's never been explored. Like I, I don't have to talk about my favorite character because C three PO is also mine. But anyway, yeah. tell us about yours. What did you like about your? Well, so Babu's just great. He's I absolutely adorable. Love, love Babu Frick. Kind of unnecessary just in the film generally, but very cute. And he's one of my oldest friends. <laughs> <laughs> I love how he turns up at the end and it's like, you know, when, when Zori Bliss turns up and she does her line and she's like, hey, Spice Runner, it's me from the film. Know, again, that, another that layer badass, of keys I'm not keen on. That badass <laughs> female character who quips, 
Do you look know, at me. Do you know who? Look played? how well I've been written. And then Babu Frick's like, he steals the show in that scene. Do you know who played Babu? Don't say because I've told you. But do you know who played Babu Frick? If you don't know, you'll never guess. No. It's Shirley Henderson who played Mona Metal. No. Really? And then Dio for the same reasons because Dio's adorable. He is very. He's such a cute design. Eliminated. Hairdryer on wheels, no. Yeah, yeah exactly, every ta- the hairdryer on wheels. Every time I've been to see the film, that bit where Dio is going up to the horse, and then the horse growls and he backs up, oh, going, no crazy. thank you, no thank you. Every time I've gone to see it, no one has laughed at that apart from oh, me. Really? I find I that, that a cute moment, but no one else that's seems one of my favorite, <laughs> you know, like, That's one of my favourite scenes in the film, is because it's one of the few moments in the film where the film just actually just stops. Yeah. yeah. It just stops for a second to kind of breathe in the world and... Because if there is one major positive from this, which is why I, I don't have a negative... Re- I have lots of negative feelings about this film, but I don't have a negative reading of it. Is that after all of this, this even though it does all of the stuff that I didn't really want it to do or whatever, it's still... J.J. Abrams is still very good at enthusiasm, and he's still very good at making this feel like a Star Wars film. Mm. It doesn't do what I want... It doesn't do what I wanted a Star Wars film to do, but it still feels like a Star Wars yeah, film. Yeah, it feels like a bad Star Wars film. It feels like a Star Wars... <laughs> well, it feels like... It feels like a good Star Wars universe again. There's too much planet hopping in the beginning, but that's I only get that sense because when you go to all these planets, like, is it Pasala? Yeah, that's the desert planet. The yeah. desert planet. I loved that. Oh, the, the, the festival stuff oh, really I love that reminded stuff. me of like... I've got a really hankering for a good Pasanda curry. Yeah, well, I, well that's what I was thinking. Is it called Pasanda or am I just that, getting um, it caught up with Pasanda? That, that woman but, yeah. who Ray talks to, I, I love that little yeah. moment. And gives her the flowers and stuff. Where she's got this yeah. really long name and she just goes, that's an excellent name. <laughs> really yeah, that. that's like, that's classic kind of, that was one of the things that made me kind of... I love her nice A bit sympathetic towards the prequels in a way. Like, even though the... the plot and story stuff isn't amazing like the the worlds and the the endless series of planets and like all of the all of the good stuff about the Star Wars universe this film is still he's exactly. busy yeah, actually I, in, in a compliment to J.J. Abrams is that he's taken the note from The Force Awakens is in that he didn't create any interesting planets for The Force Awakens and this one there's quite a few quite interesting yeah. ones like Kijimi is like we've never really seen anything like that but it kind of feels like a kind of European Christmas market mm. yeah. like it's got that kind of feel to it we've never Snowy seen anything Alpine like village. that again I wish yeah. I wish they'd sort of like they do the sort of locations all on one planet so we sort of get rid of the idea that every planet is one climate and that's it it does feel like levels in a game exactly yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. like you know um Pasanda is a Pasana. Pasanda is a, you know, it's just a desert planet, and that other one that you um, Kajimi Kajimi is a Christmas from Doctor Who. Um, yeah, it is actually. So yeah. you know, like I want to, I want to get away from that feel of planets all have one sort of system, and yeah. then that's all. Planet it is. of the one weather type. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I always, I, I, I always go back to Naboo. Naboo like, is the most real planet we've ever had. Yeah, but even then, that's all just like sort of like tropical swampy. No, it's not because you get you get the city, you get the forest, you get the swamps, you get all. I, I I think Naboo is. You know, it's a shame it's in Phantom Menace because I think the best thing about that movie is how you get a really real feeling world. It's like the one movie that has a planet that has more than one locale. But... Have you ever seen? Um, I've, I've just had to Google this because it reminded me of something. It reminded me of a film that I saw a very long time ago. Uh, Where Eagles Dare is a war film from the 60s. Um, if you watch Where Eagles Dare, and most of it is filmed in a village called uh, Werfen in Austria. 
and it reminded me a lot of um, of the village in in that where the, where they end up. It's like a mm. kind of like a if you ever kind of get around to watching it one day, you'll kind of see what I mean with Kajimi and uh, Verfin. And while we're on Kajimi, I I know that there's not much to the character of Zori Bliss, and also Janna as well. There's not much to that character either. But I did like them. I thought I wanted to see more of them. Definitely. I thought they were. I, I yeah. thought, especially Zori Bliss's costume. I think it was really yeah. awesome costume. Mm. And I, I definitely wanted to see more of it. I wish we'd seen her face. They were fine, but they weren't needed. They weren't needed, but that, that that's you know not everything has to be needed. I think I thought hmm. Janet in particular. <coughs> I thought I wanted to see more. I, of. I would say do one or the other. To be fair, like I feel like there's something been lost in between the moment where we meet all these new characters and then the for the very final. Act and this is something I missed the first time round, and then oh, I could tell you what it is for Janet. The, it's cut. Well, she's Landa's daughter. Yes, got cut. Well, it's oh. yeah. you know, it's but, can't, can't. do you know where you can find out the answer in the Star Wars Rise of Skywalker illustrated dictionary that you can <laughs> buy. No, no, no that's not canon. She's not Landa's daughter. But they cut the storyline because it came off as racist. But having the two only black characters know each other. But the thing is, I didn't like the implication. They cut the scene where they say. They're directly related, but like just watching the film, you know that those characters are related. Yeah, they, they have, have that odd that. scene between them at the they end. They sit next to each other. It's like, so where are you from? Cool. Let's, like, find out. Let's find out. Let's find out. We should have cut that. We know they're related. Like we just know it. Um, anyone else have a favorite character that isn't one that Noel's mentioned? Yeah. Adam Driver. Yes. Just, well, he's not, just, not a character. Uh, no, but... They're not Kylo Ren. <laughs> well, I kind of, I wanted to talk about how good the cast are without kind of it being a backhanded compliment. I didn't want to say, well, they do so well with because they have so little to work with. I didn't want to be well, like that. No, but it's it, it's factually true because but you know in that the last forty the... minutes he has one line of dialogue and it's out. Yeah, that's the only thing he says has been so long. But he yeah. and he also says out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's, that's like, all he says. Oh, yeah. as well, so, yeah. yeah. There are so many things that the char- these characters go through that I'm not happy with, especially with Kylo Ren, because I would have liked him to have just become the villain after last year, and I feel like that's what it was setting up. Um, so then there would have been no reason to bring Palpatine back and whatnot. But, you know, um, his character is what it is, and Adam Driver does an absolutely superb job playing. One of the, um, one of the, like, the moments in the film that really made me actually well up, it quite got me, was seeing him do this that big, broad smile before he dies. Like, we've never seen that character smile. No. And I just thought that was just a lovely little acting choice. Mm-hmm. Almost makes a decision to turn him good worth it, in my opinion, but also... And how, but I, just, I, I really... just think that yeah, Ben Solo feels different to Kylo Ren. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I really think Adam Driver is, is, is wonderful. He's probably the busiest man in show business right now, mm-hmm. and he is worth every second of he's on screen in every film I've seen and him in over the past few years. I would sit on his face for days. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he'd be very thankful for that. But, like, he is excellent in Marriage Story. He's really good in Black Klansman. Um, he is great in Black Hunter, isn't he? And the thing that he does with Kylo Ren is that he makes Kylo Ren more than a villain because whenever you're looking at him and whenever you're looking at Adam Driver, there's always something more complicated going on. There is a person in there. It's not a villain character. It's a person with many, many conflicts. And, and it, like, he has so little spoken material to communicate any of this, in, like, especially towards the end of the film. And to be fair, when he has his mask on at various points in this trilogy, there's no facial communication there. He has to do it all. If there's another. No, but no, but in Force Awakens, I think that's a, that's a good point. Like in Force Awakens, it's only in the last half hour he takes the mask off. And yeah. Up until that point, he still manages to get but that expressiveness out. And what, what yeah. I like very, about very, he's a very vulnerable person mm. who has been given too much power. Yeah. And none of that really comes from. 
the way that he's written. I feel like a lot of it comes from yeah. the way that he portrays the role. Yeah, I, th- I think his characters come out pretty consistently across the three. And that is because of Adam Driver, not because of the writing. And Brian Johnson recognises how great of an actor he is because he makes the decision in The Last Jedi to get rid of the mask. So you can, act, you can see what Adam Driver's doing like as a villain. Because all of this stuff about what Adam Driver brings to the table is just not as powerful when he's got that mask on because you just can't see his reactions and you can't see that conflict in him. Um, so Ryan Johnson gets rid of it and then it just sort of comes back again in this film for a while until it then doesn't. Mm. I like it. Yes, it looks very nice. Oh, the general pride he's new. Who, who again, doesn't need to be there. I'm not sure why he's in the film. I, I, I'll never say no to Richard E. Grant. No. Um, I've got no feelings about him either way except that he... Surely that name is copyrighted by some sort of, like, gay character. General Pride, really? With a Y. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Star Wars wouldn't have a Pride with an I in it. I think he basically yeah. replaces Hooks, and I'm not really sure why they needed to replace Hooks, but, <coughs> you know, fair enough. Yeah, um, and it, to be fair, it's a <coughs> character, they didn't even have to give him a name, but of course everyone in Star Wars has to have a name. <laughs> That's just how it works. And See, I'm still getting yeah. sketched. I'm still trying to learn all the names of all the planets in this, which is going to take ages because of all those ones Povis. Everything's got to have a name. <laughs> and I think that John Boyega and Oscar Isaac have got their chemistry down to a T. Yes, it's just um, a shame that nothing is done with that. It's... <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, you, you feel strongly. Um, yeah, I know, I know but I'm saving a whole rant about that until yeah, the end. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think their chemistry is really good. I think that... Um, do you know... There have been people complaining about the fact that Finn is, Finn is force sensitive, but I I buy it and I like it. I think that's yeah. the thing that he wants to tell Ray, but never gets the chance. Yeah, yeah. And it's sort of a continuation of uh, Last Jedi being like, well, anyone can. Well, anyone, you know, yeah, use exactly. The Make, no problem with that at all. I just think it's a bit late in the game to introduce it. I've got no problem with him being. I, I can't remember this, but apparently there were implications in the Force Awakens that he might be. I've never caught that, but or something. But yeah. I I can't really remember. That. I never saw that coming at all, but. I don't have a problem with it. I just think it's a bit late in the game. I wish they had more time to do with do more with that. But it's a nice idea. And I think I know that you have a whole rant for this. But I feel like the way that Finn's realization that he's force sensitive across these two or three films. You know how like in Force Awakens where he doesn't know that Poe is on that ship and he goes, "Oh, that's one hell of a pilot." That could be an example ah. of him being a bit force sensitive. You know, like he's. he's That's a good point. No. That's a good point. Yeah. I don't know if that was the intention, but you know. But I, I feel like a more sort of. I feel like this might lead into your rant a little bit, but um, this, you know, Finn's realization that he's force sensitive could also be a nice little parallel for the realization that he fancies. Oh, well, I don't think that's lost on me. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, that's part of my rant. Part of my yeah, rant. I just I feel like that's that that could be something because. He never wants Poe to be around when he wants to tell anybody this. And then Poe asks him. And then Finn says, no, it doesn't matter. I don't want to tell you. And it's not the right time. And there's all of this stuff that I feel like could very easily build up to them. Like, so But then, no, we have easy. to get that scene at the end, which they are going to gif right. into oblivion. You know what? I'm just going to do it now. Yeah, go on. Have you it's got it written down? Yeah, big negativity on for myself. I know I'm being hypocritical. Well, I, feel like, not really I feel like we've built up enough positives there it's, to it's say more... that despite all the stuff we've already said, it still feels very much like a Star Wars universe. C-3PO is great. I don't think it's ever boring. For how yeah. much this no, just kind yeah. of narrative stakes and stuff, I feel like it's never dull. Yeah, I can't no, believe it, it was over has, after two hours. It yeah. like, has so many fast. surprises yeah. and twists and turns. And that the cast are all wonderful and that they do a very good job of lifting up, elevating this this film. 
I've got, I've got more as well. I've got more positives. But, but while, we're, while we're on this, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's not even so much a rant as an observation. Well, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm angry at Disney about it, but it's, I think it's more just interesting from a historical well, perspective. as I said, so. I was listening to Force Awakens and Last Jedi episodes recently, and you two were spot on about saying that they would not do it. No, that's the thing. They would play along... And they would get everybody, like, tumble shit people, placate them. I had made my peace with this, that it wasn't going to happen. What annoyed me was that it, 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 it is, it's neither, neither one thing or the other. It's so clearly implicit on the screen. The thing is, right, I don't know if, you've, if any of you have ever seen, like, an old film noir movie where sometimes, because this is before homosexual, homosexuality was legalised in... Well, every country, really. Back in, like, the 40s and 50s. <coughs> you would have gay characters, but they could never even remotely say it. It was like, you get a guy who'd put his hand on another guy's shoulder and say, like, you're doing all right there, buddy, something like that. That was how they had to do mm. gay characters. That was as far as it ever went. But then years later, the directors would say, would say, yeah, they were supposed to be a couple, but we couldn't go any further than that. Yeah. Especially That's in Hollywood, on, which is, like, like, usually so friendly towards gay characters anyway, because, yeah, you know, it's so full of gays. That's what's going on in this film, in that... I don't. I don't say this because I'm. A, I am. I mean, I am a Finn Poe shipper, but I'm not saying it because of that, and I'm not saying it because I'm gay either. I'm saying it because I have a pair of eyes. Finn and Poe are a couple. They just are. They just are. Mm. They they talk like a couple. They act like a couple. The way they react when the other <coughs> one is like in hurt, they are uh, in like in pain. They always turn to each other as for emotional support. They wear each other's clothes. For God's sake, they go travelling together on their missions, they're inseparable, and they've both got the same female best friend who isn't interested in either of them. They're a gay couple. <laughs> it's like, there is no doubt in my mind whatsoever. And the only reason it's not said on screen is because of China. And because, well, not just China, but Asian countries, possibly some other countries as well, like Russia. I that's think the, the only market reason. in general. It's not, that's the only reason it's not been said. And it's the same with Marvel as well. They're, they're having the same issue. That's the only reason it's never happened. And I fully expect that in five, ten years' time, because progress keeps being made with this, in five, ten years' time, when it maybe becomes a bit more palatable, they'll put it in a book or something. They'll say, this is the book where it's revealed that Finn and Poe are actually a couple. And Buy this book, together and it'll reignite it all, and Disney will then expect credit for having done that. When well, they, they, they they've done kind that. of done that already. They've kind of said, yeah. oh, look how great it is that we have a same-sex kiss in our film. And yeah, and then, that's in the thing. The I, so I, yeah, in the background, in the shot So I'm removed. not making assumptions. I'm not being racist by saying, oh, it's the Asian countries. It's a fact. They've removed the gay kiss. Singapore, it's, China. Singapore, yeah. Been, they've removed yeah, the gay yeah, kiss. Not just so this is evidence. Well. This, you know, this is reality. And this is very sad for me as an LGBT person to see that there is a clear gay couple on screen and they can't just kiss each other. Because they just are. Like, I've got straight friends who've said it to me. Straight friends have said, "Why did they not just make Finn and Power couple? They clearly are." People have said this to me. It's not just me, and I think yeah, it's going to get canonized in a couple of years' time, and it's going to make this look like a weird historical artifact from the fifties. And I think it's just bad form. If you're going to do it, then do it. And you saw right, Disney are just going to expect credit for building this gay couple character without taking any risks when they should have done. Yeah, and, and you, like. And they've done this before. They did this with Holdo's character. Like, Captain Purple, her, was like... Clearly, she had feelings for... Um, for Le- yeah, Leia and Holdo had that very clear like, scene. Uh, they've got yeah. chemistry on set and stuff, and it, it's quite clear that they're really, if not very good friends, that Holdo has some strong feelings for her. And then they don't actually <coughs> reveal any of that in the film, and they don't, because they couldn't, they couldn't possibly risk putting gays in a film. So they instead bring out a book, 
where it, it makes the case clear that Holdo did have a backstory. Yeah, there, is, no, there is a book where Holdo is revealed to be bisexual and had feelings for Leia. But yeah, and it's okay as long as you only put it into the things that only Western audiences are going to see. It's fine, but um, in Disney's case, but when it comes to trying to speak to an international audience, where Disney feel like they have to play to um, countries that are not progressive on gay rights as um, they are in the, necessarily in the Western world, then suddenly they don't want to take that risk because they don't want it to hurt the box office. And this is where business needs and moralities and ethics in filmmaking sort of clash. Um, in the uh, it happened with the Kelly Marie Tran thing. Thinking about Kelly, yeah. I'm really angry about that, and I'm not even you know a female person of color, so I feel like I don't necessarily have as much of a right to be angry about that. But I, you know, as someone on the LGBT spectrum, mm-hmm. I do have a right to be really angry about the whole avoidance of gayness in um, Star Wars. I, well, I and feel like I have a right to be angry because I know I'm right. Because it's, it's as I say, it's not just me. And the thing is, right, it's so obvious that they're supposed to be a couple that they have to throw in out of nowhere lines of Poe asking to kiss a woman because they know how clear it is that Finn and Poe are coming across as a couple so they have to crowbar in this the, straight like that, to that make thing I said they were oh no he's not gay yeah. he's not gay he's not gay that he wants to kiss were, a woman that thing I said they were going to yeah. gif into oblivion which is him going mm, yeah. and then her going mm, and then him going mm, and then her going go away and it, yeah and then yeah it is what it is. Anyway, we'll I mean, it's back a, on it in life it, ten years. In some cases, I sort of <laughs> like Disney that relationship. I sort of like that relationship because it's showing the in a very rare circumstance in Hollywood, and even in Star Wars, the woman having the power over the attraction between those two, which is not something that you get. In Star I mean, Wars to be often, fair, they but... kind of do it in Marvel as well, where it's like they shove it yeah, into the I mean, beginning of um, that scene in Endgame, where they get one of the Russo brothers to just play a gay guy who went on a date, and again, it's just something that they can well, easily I'm just gonna... go. I'm going to wait and see because they are doing a big gay storyline for the next Thor movie. Valkyrie well, apparently there's going to be there's going to be a transgender character in one of the Marvel films, and I'm just like, oh god, not for another fifty years at least. Well, know. apparently they're trying to work one in, but like it just, it, but basically what they'll do is they'll have a character in for one minute who, and it's implied that they're trans. They won't be an outwardly transgender superhero. But, but, no, as I say, who like, will be a defining character? But they'll be in it for like two minutes, and, and they'll be like, oh god, we're Valkyrie's getting her big lesbian storyline, so there's that. So this, and, yeah. and Disney's record on these LGBT things in the Star Wars thing. Is like we've seen what it's happened to Holdo, but then if you look at um, the um, the solo films, they do what every other film does when it comes to LGBT issues. They take a character and rather than making them explicitly gay or explicitly lesbian, they turn them into a crazy bi that sleeps with anyone, like anything yeah. in the postcode. They, they show that Lando is pansexual by having him fancy a female droid. Well, the thing is, Lando's I, not, I don't even mean to be, I, I'm not, not even pansexual. It's not even canon. It was just something that came from an interview. Like, one of the writers was asked, could Lando be pansexual? And he went, well, I don't know, maybe. And then it was like... Lando Carizian is pansexual, it's everyone! Go and see the film! Mike Chris says in this, I'm not being biphobic, I'm kind of being the opposite of biphobic, because there's this idea of invisible bi people, where if yeah. you have someone who is bi, but then only pair them with the opposite sex, they are in effect not bi on screen, unless you say that they are, which it doesn't. Oh, so just, I think it's, it's something you know, that happens all the time, where it's yeah. like, I mean, I'm not bi, but like, you know, I pay attention to this kind of discourse, where it's like, you get characters like it's it's kind of like in Friends a little bit, where it's kind of just I mean yeah okay Carol does come out and say that she's a lesbian but like there's no implication that she's bisexual and just happens to love Susan more. It's just she's a lesbian. The first she thing they jump to is yeah. that oh she has to be a lesbian. And I know I know I mean I won't name them but like I know a a a, a large number of of gay people who have been in 
and have told me that they could still be in affectionate and sexual relationships with women, but they're gay. Mm. And it's like, you know, sexuality is a, a complicated thing. It's not like... Uh, language can only go so far to communicate feelings. Mm. So trying to explain people's sexuality with words alone is a mistake. It's the same with gender too. I, I just feel like it's a mistake. We have very limited vocabulary to describe a whole spectrum. That's why we use the word spectrum, because it implies this lots of mini little points. Rather, It's basically like instead of cutting the carrot in two, you could dice it up into tiny little pieces. And so... Take that attitude, that's fine. I mean, media, there is a trope for media doing that, isn't there, of the bisexual person that sleeps with any of it with a pulse code being the only LGBT representation in any... <coughs> Prince Oberyn. <coughs> I mean, I love Game of Thrones, but <coughs> Oberyn. Yeah. Also, the bury yeah. your gays troop, which happen, uh, trope, which happens... Oh, that happens all the fucking time. Which happens time. to Prince Oberyn, and also... Loras Tyrell. And if you count L3 and Lando, then L3 falls victim to that. Yep, gay characters yeah. can't live till the end. Anyway... Happens that in Ordinary Love as well. That was a tangent. Which is a film I saw recently. Mm-hmm. But no, no, I think, it, to be honest, it, it's a worthy tangent to go off because I yeah. feel like we're at such a critical juncture at the moment in pop culture where I feel like all of the representation of minorities and women that has been missing for so many years is about to take off. And at the moment, we're just at that tokenism stage. I mean, obviously, you'll get loads of amazing films. Well, and there have been loads of amazing films in the past that really capture something and really so it's not like saying that these films have never existed and they're about to explode but i feel like in terms of pop culture franchises being allowed to do this stuff or allowing themselves to do this stuff i feel like we're just on the edge of it and right now we're just kind of like waiting for it but i feel like for a very long time (coughs) there is going to be no genuine heart to it it's all and i feel horrible saying this but i feel like it's just going to be tokenism for a very long time. But uh, tokenism is better than nothing. It, in a way, yeah. I, I mean, from from your from your perspective, which is from your two's perspective, that's which is the most important. I would definitely agree. But I'm a little bit worried that the next kind of generation of cinema, which is apparently now going to be viewed as some kind of flagship frontier of amazing representation and um, intersectional, uh, you know, all all that kind of stuff. I feel like. It's just basically going to be Rainbow Skills, where they take away. Yeah, all the but that's it's like buy this, no. buy this, buy this, and it's like it's it's not doing it because it wants to do it. It's real. It's only doing it because they've realised that there's a market for well, it. Well, that's just but that doesn't that, that, works. Ev- everybody wins. Yeah, it it, it 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 makes us happy when we see pride flags on businesses and they make money out of it. Everybody wins. They don't have to be doing it for the right reasons. You know, do you think Disney released Black Panther because they wanted to reach out to the black community? No, they realised that they weren't reaching black audiences, and then that film made a ton of money. Everybody wins. More money. It than was a very yeah. respectful movie, in terms of race. And it was a good movie. And it was a yeah. good movie. Had a really Everybody compelling wins. villain. Had a really compelling villain, yeah. which up to that point Marvel films did not have for me. But yeah, yeah, anyway. no, and that sort of tokenism yeah. eventually sort of like you know, it it just becomes so ingrained in films that it's no longer tokenism it's just a part of the film made part of the film, um, yeah. and that hasn't happened for so long in terms of anything I suppose my way around this would be, would just be to get more minority representation not necessarily on the screen but behind the camera and writing the script yes Except, well because that's how you then... get it on screen <laughs> because you get those sort of people like until <coughs> Hollywood films stop being directed and produced by straight white men, they're not going to have anything other than straight white men doing the things in front of the camera. Yeah. Because that's just how... I mean, 
let's not turn this into a pop culture detective sort of video when no, we're dissecting but, things yeah. down. But that's just the reality of how things are until we have until we have people who have a certain part of their lives invested in being a minority making these films, then we're not going to have representation of those minorities on screen because the people making those films don't care about those minorities because they're not a part of those minorities. Mm. Again, uh, it's like the, the the people behind Bond seem to have at some point in the last year realised that the Me Too, the Me Too movement has made Bond very dangerously irrelevant and so at the last second they've drafted in Phoebe Waller-Bridge to touch up the script which just, you know, that means the tokenism, but it'll probably help us out. Yeah. So. But again, she's yeah. behind, she's the person behind with the pen. Yeah. It, well, I guess yeah. we could have a whole podcast talking about how Disney likes to avoid these sort of issues. Um, yeah, we need to move on. Need move to move on. Back um, onto the film. Yeah, I've, got, I've got two more big positives. Yeah, I was going to say, we'll back around to positives. I think, no, you'll have way more positives than... Tell us some things you liked about this film. Well, like I said before, it was, it was just a fun film to watch. Like, it follows a pretty exciting journey I think like there's no dull moment in it um the droids are cute <laughs> as usual <laughs> yeah it's no Jar Jar obviously but that, is that a positive yeah we love Jar Jar there's <laughs> a negative that there's no Jar Jar oh well yeah that's true that's true <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, but Jaja just should have been revealed to have been the villain all along. Yeah, he could have been Palpatine. Yeah, exactly. And Ray, Ray, Ray could have been a Jar Jar. Yeah. And Ray, maybe Jar- Ray who? Ray Ray Bing. Maybe, <laughs> maybe Jar Jar is, um, not only has a Snoke in a bat, but also has an Emperor Palpatine in a bat. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny, there were a lot of people in this film who were very interested in Ray's surname, which I thought was quite funny. Ray Star Wars. Ray who? Yeah, our yes, friend, again, name checking our, fr- our friend Al. He knew that there was a, he, before he saw it, he knew that there was a name reveal at the end and he said it would be funny if she calls herself Ray Star Wars. Which is basically, <laughs> basically what she does because apparently this saga is what Star Wars is now. Like the Skywalkers are what Star Wars is now. So you know, calling herself Ray Skywalker is the equivalent of calling herself Ray Star Wars. I know. This Skywalker saga thing is weird. Do you remember that Mitchell Webb sketch with um, uh, Hale, what is it, Zephron or something? Um, where it's like, oh, you don't watch Mission on Web Block, do you? Not as much as I should. There's this, like, sci-fi society where they all hail um, Zephron or something like that. And there's one of them there, it's like, why do we hail Zephron? He's like, I was off the other day. I was off ill, and when I came in, you were all doing it. And he's just, like, missed the point at which they all started worshipping this god. And it's like, should I, like, go off the internet for a day? And everybody started saying <laughs> Skywalker Saga. Because we never used to call it this. This has happened in like the last six months. These were Star Wars films. They weren't Skywalker films. And like, you know, there are many points in the film. Like, well, it's a classic example of if you nice. say the same thing in enough places, it just... Exactly. The history before it never happened. Things meme themselves. Yeah. Yeah. What else did you enjoy? Well, for me personally, this was my first Star Wars film in a cinema with an opening crawl. Which yeah. Was very <laughs> oh yeah, that's interesting. So yeah, that was fun. <laughs> Do you know that is something else as well? When I went, the dead and... speak. Yeah, the dead, <laughs> speak. the dead speak. I like that actually. That, that seems quite something like something like something George Lucas would say. That's like the dead speak. The dead speak. <laughs> I can't speak. <laughs> the dead can. No. <laughs> um, but no, I was thinking like you know when I sat down to watch this the second time because I didn't really like it on first viewing. But then when I sat down the second time, I thought, how can you hate a film which has other than Attack of the Clones? How can you hate a film which has this opening crawl with this theme? Yeah. How how can you do it? You can't help but smile when it pops up on the screen. You're not yeah. off segueing into one of my positives. And, it, it, and it, is, it is a shame that you did. You will never, sadly, unless they obviously do reshowings of the, the original or sequel trilogy, because Disney's bought everything. 
that's by this flat. Um, you will never sadly get the full works, which is the 20th century Fox fanfare, followed by the Lucasfilm yeah, logo, then followed by it. But yeah, I, I, I do race. miss the 20th century Fox. Yeah. Yeah. Because now you just get Disney and... Mm. God, well, at least you don't get Disney, 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 Disney they, they don't yeah. put Disney in the... Yeah, there's no, there's no castle. Do you know that's something I've realised as well? That would be really <laughs> Not to, like, you know, say too much, but apart from our next series, which is going to be very short, when we do the longer series after that, which is the um, the DCOMs, mm-hmm. and then if we plan to do, say, Marvel after that, 99% of our content is going to be fucking Disney-owned, which is just like... Yeah, but that's, you know, that's, that's probably a fair ratio of the, the amount of content in the world anyway. I know, it's just, it's unbelievable how much... They just own. That's you know, like I've made my peace with because like everything I love is owned by you Disney. You know, now. Marvel. And so I'm just, you know, I'm just happily enslaved myself to them. Marvel. I can't wait to buy Disney Plus. Marvel, not even <laughs> Disney, have been responsible over the last ten years for seven point four percent of all box office. Yeah, figures. They've That's had insane. like I think they've had seven. I don't even want to think, I think about it. In 2019, Disney. I think they had seven billion dollar films, and Star Wars has not yet hit it, and that will. And I think uh, where we currently are, it's making me appreciate the Last Jedi even more because. I think The Last Jedi, for a long time, is going to be the last time that we get a film like that in a major franchise. Yeah, maybe. Because of the response to it and because of the way that... Okay, I don't think Marvel films are bad. I think they're very safe. I think they're very... They, they, they stay within the lines. I, and they, the only they ones that take risks are the ones that are they disconnected don't, from the rest of the... They don't deliberately take risks to either challenge people or piss people off or whatever. Like, everything that happened in Endgame, I, I expect... you know, it, Not I, in a... I don't know. Not, it doesn't... They, not, they don't strike me as, like, massively bold departures or whatever. I mean, to be fair, like, you know, even Last Jedi wasn't, like, a massively bold departure from cinema or anything like that. But it was interesting to watch a quote-unquote serious director navigate his way through... Uh, a big, huge franchise. Whereas I just I don't feel like we're ever gonna get films like that anymore. Where I feel like there are definitely Marvel films where you get individual director stamps, like you get Taika Waititi on Ragnarok, where it's very obvious that somebody like that is behind this. And to be fair, the Russo brothers have injected their own sense of style to it. But I, it, I, Marvel have a house style. You know what I mean? They have a house style, but I think yeah. we've become so used to them that I think it's easy to forget the moments where actually they genuinely do something that really does shock the audience and makes a big impact. Like, it's easy to forget in Infinity War where it's like, the villain is the protagonist, the villain wins, and then half the characters, including Spider-Man, die, cut to black. It's easy to forget that. I suppose when I did go and see it, I kind of knew that all of the dead characters were going to come back. Yeah, but the kids wouldn't have, and the kids are the main audience there. That's their. It's, it's been said quite a lot. That for audience, kids, that's yeah. their "I am their father" moment. This, this, the snap is their. Oh yeah, oh, well, that that snap will go down in pop culture yeah. history. No, no way that it won't. Spider Man going to dust haunted me for ages after I saw that. <laughs> Not just because. Mr. Stark. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> anyway, we steer back yeah, again. No, well, I want to go. I want to go on this to, opening um, crawl thing. Well, not yeah. the opening crawl, but you talked about the music, and um, oh, this is yeah. for me, right? It. I was more reflective of the fact that not just if more than it being the end of the Skywalker <coughs> saga the thing is it's not going to be the last Star Wars movie but this is the last John Williams score it'll be the last one for about five yeah. years I think no it's his last Star well yeah and it's sorry yeah and yeah. his last yeah it's it's John Williams' last Star Wars score um, it's not his last score for anything he's doing Indiana Jones as well but it, um, it, this is his last Star Wars score and to see him complete this nine episode work is like amazing for me he's always been my hero and it helps that this 
this is a really really good score and I've listened to it about a gajillion times first time I listened to it I cried like three times because the thing is I expect I, my worry was that it was going to just be full of callbacks to previous films and it is but it's not like obvious ones it's like they play a particular version of the force theme that played in like the Phantom Menace or something on a similar kind of emotional beat so it just rings true it's just a really satisfying score for people who've analysed them over the years and stuff some amazing new themes there's a theme called just called The Rise of Skywalker, which is like the hero's theme from this film, which is just like amazing. And I think this is his best one of the sequel trilogy. And it's a, just a hell of a way to go out. And the, the, I think the part of the film that left me the most thoroughly satisfied is the score. I think the score is better than the movie. It's it's, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. We're, fantastic. We're in prequels trilogy with that kind of, We're in and prequels territory with that kind of talk. And honestly, he's yeah. gone out on high. It, like, yeah. I, I, th- I think this is the biggest high John Williams could have gone out on. It's just... Like, no doubt the score for this film is really good because it's a John Williams score and they're always really good. But because I'm a casual fan when it comes to film music, I make my connections with film music based on the emotions that I'm experiencing in the film at the time. So it's hard for me to feel particularly compelled by the score because there, are, there, there aren't any moments in this film where, where I feel such an emotional connection with the film that the score... Brings it in I would really like, strongly recommend listening to it in isolation. There are there are moments like the 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 film scores that I like in Star Wars so far, like the moment when Yoda re, um, lifts up the X wing and you know, um, the Yoda's theme plays, and it's really powerful and it's really good. There's the moment in Force Awakens where Ray grabs hold of the lightsaber for the first time properly, and they reuse a version of the Force theme from I can't remember from what it was from from A New Hope, and it just sounds so amazing because that moment is really powerful because it's the first time Ray gets a lightsaber, and then in Last Jedi there's a moment where Snoke gets killed, and Ray grabs the lightsaber again, and like the music in that is just incredible because it heightens an emotion that is already there. And it's hard for me to feel compelled by the score because the I I don't have any emotional connection. I think that's film. fair enough. I, I'm probably past the point now, where I now I now look at the soundtracks purely on a musical level. They are a thing in exactly. their own right. To exactly. Me now. And most people don't treat it that way. No, no denying that this score is like musically. It's I'm sure it's incredible, but it's hard for me to feel that way and analyze it because I'm not a I'm not a music person. I don't analyze yeah. music in that way. I analyze music based on again the emotion connection I have to the film in the moment at the time. Yeah. So that's why I like music so much. In terms of songs, like it's like when songs have uh, feel particularly powerful and are particularly key emotions and I love the song so much because of stuff that I was going through at the time that that song happened. Like, And everyone does it. Everyone has an emotional connection to music and it's what makes us so compelled to my music a lot of the time. And I just, I lack the emotional connection to the score because there isn't anything in this film that I have an emotional connection to. So it's hard to feel Well, like you know, there's, uh, there are moments where it really tries and I think John Williams does his part and pulls it out of the back. Like when all the ships turn up, the mm. ridiculous number of ships, and they play that big version of the, the main theme. Which you never hear in a, in the in the film. You never hear the main theme in the film, um, and like play to the full extent and stuff. And it, it I, I thought that was just like over the little genius. Um, the use of race theme in this is great as well. But yeah, I mean, I am past the tipping point now. Probably about four or five years ago, where I now actually am more invested in the scores than I am in the films themselves. Where I am primarily a fan of John Williams <laughs> <laughs> rather than Star Wars, and. Um, and on that note, it meant it probably coloured my experience of this film a bit because I was so completely satisfied by his score that I'm able to overlook the film's shortcomings somewhat. Speaking of which, I've got a big negative I want to talk about. And it's funny that we should... Can I say, say the negative one? Yeah, if you want, yeah. <laughs> and it's funny that we it should be talking about... It is more a warning that there will be a negative as opposed to a don't say the negative. Well, it's, it's, it's a comparison. 
Funny that we should be talking about Marvel because I would like to compare the portal scene in Endgame to the ships arriving scene in the Rise of Skywalker because they are yeah. clearly going for the same thing but I think because those like surely that was made like uh, before this is what I mean <coughs> game came yeah, out McDermott came on so late they were working on the last minute yeah. it's it's yeah they, they, I think it was a deliberate copy I don't mind loads of people rising up and coming together and stuff it's just the problem I have with it is that in the film before that it's this whole like oh well we put the call out before but nobody responded and then in this film, it's like, well, we cut, we put the call out, and everybody responded. Yeah. The thing is, and it's just there's a whole bit missing in the middle where Lando yes. convinces them. So that portal scene in Endgame, I think, would we all agree that that's very effective when they all? Turn oh yeah, it's, the, it's it, it is. I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty much point. already become iconic. That's as much me. as I enjoy Endgame, I don't love it because I think that Endgame is less a film, more a series of moments. Yeah. Designed to and make satisfying feel. moments, but, but they are satisfying moments. This is, I don't fully agree with Scorsese when he goes on his whole thing about how Marvel's not cinema and stuff like that, but there isn't, there is a point to his argument, which is that Endgame is not necessarily a film that has ups and downs and stuff like that, it's just a series of engineered moments designed to give a sense of finality and satisfaction. And one of the moments that really achieves that is when everybody comes yeah. through the portals. But the reason that it works so well is because you know everybody well it works so well for me is that everybody that's there wants to be there has not always been able to get there and they and all have a backstory of some well time. yeah this, this was know. the main thing right? I, am, films. I, am, I am a huge huge fan of the MCU it's like built over the years and the portal scene to me was like Bombay. oh my god the feeling in my heart <laughs> as they were all coming out and the reason why it works is because there are no unfamiliar faces everyone we see we, we know, know and we understand why they personally are there to fight in this. And so in some cases you have a whole two and a half hours where you get to see that. Yes, and it's been earned because we've seen those same characters die and you want them back desperately and then you get to see them come back. It's, it's earned emotionally and it's been earned by the plot as well. And it's a payoff that's been, you know, it takes most of the 22 movies to build to that point where that payoff mm. works so well on such a grand scale. It makes me fair, the and Marvel you, Cinematic Universe is less a film series and more a TV yeah, series that yeah. just so happens and to have two and a half hour episodes in six months. You cannot yeah. hope to capture that feeling within one two hour film because I think, I think where the MCU deserves credit, where I think basically everybody agrees it deserves credit, is how gradually it has built itself to the point where it's this behemoth where things almost self-sustain in terms of their importance because it always echoes back somewhere and mm. so in Endgame where it all comes together it's all been built up to and it just works whereas in Rise of Skywalker it's like you've not built up to all these ships turning up like it would have helped if people we recognised were there say if it's like you know those yellow Naboo starfires from Phantom Menace say they turn up say if like mm. I don't know say if you get some pilots from the well you get Wedge that was the one person they did get I just think you know if you're going to do this have it be people we know have it, you know, work it into the plot gradually. Have a mechanism for them all to get there at the same moment. I mean, in the way that in Endgame they have a mechanism for them all to get there at the same moment. I think it's a it's an artificial attempt to recreate a one specific moment that worked perfectly in one specific set yeah. of circumstances. And, and I I don't think this is going to be the last time that a film attempts to do a portals moment. And mm. it not it's not going to work because you need that ridiculous level of setup that and it does and Star Wars does have a ridiculous level of setup the issue is that that is 
not the way to do the payoff. Like, you don't do a payoff for a nine-film saga by introducing a whole bunch of characters in this final film and then having them come back to save the day at the end because there's just no... You don't have this emotional connection. Like, um, <coughs> I, I always forget the characters' names now, but, like, um, what's his name, the little alien guy? In... Babu Frick. Babu Frick and the person he's with in the ship. Zoe Bliss. Yeah, like, they they come back and it's like, oh yeah, Babu Frick's awesome, but like, I don't have an emotional connection to either of those characters because Mm -hmm. they have a bit of an emotional connection to Babu Frick. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. He's just adorable. He's done done so well, like, he's probably the only one that there is any connection. He's been a breakout character, you know, everybody loves him. And, um, like, it's doing the portal scene, but it's doing it with characters that I've only known for the past 20 minutes and I've only had a couple of minutes of screen time being introduced to, so I just... I don't care. I don't care that they're there. I don't care that anyone yeah. is there. I mean, say like, if, say, if, say if, ignoring the fact, you know, parallel universe, ignoring what's happened in the plot, say if there was some way for that to be like Obi-Wan or Anakin and people who walk out and, you know, are fighting and stuff, then it would have impact. But you can't do that because the story hasn't, story doesn't allow that to happen. So you can't have a moment like that, mm. especially after The Last Jedi where it's kind of, you know, point of almost everybody gets killed off. You can't really do a moment like that. It doesn't work. But it's a shame. It's a shame. Because like, obviously you see what they're going for because it worked so well in Avengers, but it just doesn't work in this film, sadly. And it undermined it. Anyway, that was the last thing on my list. Yeah, no, I don't... Um, I mean, there is there is one positive that I didn't pick up on when I was watching the films, but I did when I was talking to um, a friend of mine afterwards, where he said that, yeah, it kind of gets lost in the whole searching for MacGuffins thing. But all of the various planet hopping journeys we go on is less about picking up artifacts as it is about picking up people. Yeah. And that ties in with the final act quite nicely where they collect all of these people from from various different star systems and galaxies and stuff and they all have a part to play however small or big in the final Act, which I just don't think it kind enough. of works. I just it's I, an attempt I, to do yeah. it in one film. I know it's an attempt to do it in one film, but you can't create that scale in one film. Yeah, and like the the final act is fine. I I think that's the best part of the movie. I really mm. enjoyed the final act, just for the amount of indulgence, the amount of action. Just, I think there's nothing wrong in the last movie. I think with a bit of indulgence. The, I think but you say that was like. Um, Battle on Geonosis. I think it might be my least favorite Star Wars act in a. Star I just well, I just think it's it's. I, I'm it, not it, a fan of it. Like, yeah. I, I, I mean, I don't, the, I, like I don't like, like stuff the like Attack on Geonosis, which is just what's um, Geonosis? Attack of the Clones, just the desert battle. Of Geonosis. Uh, I don't, I don't mess remember what in the big desert arena temple thing with about a, a million. It's nuts. It's crazy. That is the, at least this film doesn't commit the crime of being incredibly boring. No. I don't really like the over-the-top things like Palpatine sending up a force lightning storm and things like that. I mean things like uh, where it's indulgent in different ways that gives it a sense of finality. Like when Rey's looking out trying to contact the Jedi and you see that space shot, which is the space shot they use for the credits. And that's a thing like you can only do at the very end. It's a nice little meta, you know, indulgent yeah. thing. And all of those voices, I feel like that was quite a tasteful way of having those I, cameras. I didn't mind that. All it was cheesy, voices. but yeah. I, I got my wish of Hayden Christensen. That's <laughs> That sort of level of cheese, I am totally fine with, and you know, I, c- I can deal with the force ghost coming back and do. But like, when it's layered <coughs> with like what must be the cheesiest lasagna I have ever seen in terms of things going on, like Palpatine <laughs> even being back in the first place, and then 
Ben suddenly realising he's good and then coming back to fight and then he fights all of the Knights of Ren, which we haven't mentioned in this film. And frankly, I don't want to talk about them because of non- the non-existence. I don't know what I would say. They're just there. No <laughs> need to talk about them. He fights the Knights of Ren and he gets a lightsaber and somehow Ray transports a lightsaber to him, which I'm fine with. That just happens. Yeah, like, what happens there? Are there two lightsabers? So Ray's got... You like, know the way Ray's they got... can take objects off each other? Yeah, but like, I was wondering... She puts it behind her head and kind of... I was wondering, it. does she have two lightsabers and she sends one to Ben or yes. are they trading it throughout? No, she's Sends one she sends right. she sends Luke's okay. one and that she keeps Leia's. wasn't clear because she's got Leia and Luke's and I actually she, she does have both I wasn't paying attention during it would I'm... help if Leia's was a different wait isn't Leia's green in no them? they're both blue wouldn't it help if Leia's was like orange or something just to distinguish between Maybe. the two? I think, well, to be fair, in that whole scene, everything that's bright looks white anyway because of the way that they do the lighting in that anyway, so it wouldn't really matter what colour it is. But like, the the layers of like just sheer amount of cheese that are going on and fan service that's going on God, throughout this whole thing and the MacGuffins yeah. that are going on like all those fake outs that you mentioned, like there are so many of them. And the one that I have such an issue with is the one where... Ben Solo gets thrown into the hole and quite clearly... And we know he's not going to die. He has. Have you ever you guys seen the film 2012? Yeah. Uh, no. Dreadful film. <laughs> it's so cheesy. Guy gets thrown off a cliff because the earth splits in two and then he... He, his hat, you see his hand appearing and he climbs out of the pit and he runs onto a helicopter or something along those lines and it's just that. It's just a, a guy climbing out of... Like, we knew Ben Solo wasn't dead. They're just obvious you're making the obvious decisions yeah. and i wouldn't have minded the little bit of fan service in terms of like ashoka for a, from clone wars coming back and like um that little voice thing and you've got like jedi like samuel jackson says something in that and like all these shadows come back and say like all oh, that's fine but when it's underlayered with already so much cheese and fan service and then even more fan service on top of that it just becomes exhausting and it's just less of a film and less of a story and more of a reason to make the fans well, it does but i do think the positive you can take from it is that i, I one of the Criticisms I make of Return of the Jedi, which I said it on the episode where we do this episode, is that I never thought Return of the Jedi felt particularly final. Mm. It's a bit of an anticlimax, I think. It, it doesn't have that sense of scale. Whereas I think this actually has some, quite a sense of finality. It's like you can't really get bigger than the way this ends. Well, it's, because you yeah. can't get bigger than the setup. It's like, you know, rather than doing a standard side Death Star, or as Death Star is even bigger because it's the side of a planet, instead we're going to have hundreds and hundreds of Death Stars that are all yeah. in the shape of... Well, you know, I do think it means it's a full stop. It's an end. Yeah. But um, it, it's, it just feels like an artificial end because it feels like everything's been made massive artificially so that J.J. Abrams can then create that sense of finality that was never there in the that would never have been there if you followed the formula that was set up for him in The Last Jedi because The Last Jedi was going for a more sort of subtle approach to storytelling um, but J.J. Abrams didn't like that and decided no I'm going to make things big and bombastic purely so I can try and get that sense of finality and because all of the setup for that sense of finality is artificial it just doesn't lead to a satisfying payoff. I feel so like what you're saying about the portals, the portals aren't satisfying because we don't know about any of the characters. So all of the sense of finality that you're talking about here, it doesn't feel satisfying to me because it's just all completely artificial. I think well, one you of know, the issues on. that when it comes to finality, I feel like one of the issues we have is that um, the, the, the ultimate finality is death. Is it though? Not in these films. <laughs> That's my problem. No one's ever really gone. It's, it's, the, it's the red light media thing. It's no one's ever really gone. Because, like, you, you resurrect... In this film, you resurrect Palpatine. Mm-hmm. You resurrect Luke. Mm-hmm. You resurrect Carrie Fisher and Leia. You resurrect Kylo Ren. You resurrect Chewbacca. 
you resurrect C-3PO. Resurrect you resurrect Snake. all the Jedi from Zori the previous Blitz film. You resurrect Rick. Zori Fliss and that, that, that thing. Wando. <laughs> like, he could have been dead for all we know. He needs to live as well. And it's just, there's all of this, like, hey, that character that you think is dead, ah. Yeah. No. Ben Solo gets stabbed. It's okay. Reagan heal him. Ben Solo falls off a cliff. It's okay. He climbs out of the pit. Ironic that what was supposed to be one of the biggest Disney films ever is so full of Disney deaths. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of it. And, like, I get that the whole, oh, it's for kids thing, but, like, Star Wars takes itself so much more seriously now than, like, kids film stuff. I I think, to be fair, I think it's at a point now where it's sort of unavoidably struggling under its own weight of hype. Um, I think... Again, coming back to the MCU, I think it's it's to be fair, it's more maybe a fluke more than anything that they've somehow managed to <coughs> live up to the hype most of the time. I think Star Wars, I think it's just had such a hard task, and I think expectations have been too high at times. It's not an excuse. I just think it's something to think about. But the the answer to solving that question was answered in film eight. Is like, well, let's ignore all that hype. Let's just make a film. I agree. That we want to make a film. I completely yeah, that, then that just gets ignored. Unfortunately, I do feel like we're at a point now where there's clearly it's been building for a while, and I feel like we're really at that point now. Um, we're not quite maybe at its peak. Maybe we are. Like maybe the Rise of Skywalker is the first example of this war that's going on. It's like a three-way battle between creative ownership, fan ownership, and corporate ownership, and. So in this instance, you have the creative team behind Star Wars, Disney who fund them, and the fans who take in what they put out. And I feel like all three of them have disagreed with each other. Yeah. And this is the film we've ended up with, where the creative and corporate interests have clearly been... It's a film by committee. It is a film by committee, but I feel like it's not necessarily a film by committee that's come from nowhere. It's not like it's... It, this unfortunately feels like a natural consequence of what happened between The Last Jedi and now, plus Solo's box office figures. Only because J.J. Abrams is taking the opinion of the fans too seriously. I mean, I, I'm with Steve Jobs on this. People don't know what they want until you give them what they want. Like, t- listening, to good, what, good, listening to what fans want of a film and then making that film is not the answer to creating a good film. It doesn't. It just creates a film that is convoluted and full of things that people don't care about, and it alienates new audiences. It just makes it impossible for people who aren't familiar with Star Wars to get to grips with the film. Like it. Like no, you you enjoy the film and you enjoy watching it and stuff. I'm sure, but you and you have some prior knowledge of Star Wars and stuff. But can you imagine watching the film like not knowing anything of what's happened in Star Wars before? And how weirdly confusing it must be. Yeah, you just have no idea who Palpatine is. Exactly. You'd have no idea why he's such a big problem. Really? Like, he's just a guy for all you know. You've yeah. never heard of him before. Um, it's, it's just disappointing. And that f- whole film thing of film being made by committee is so how this film feels. And the one moment that I feel like is probably epitomised most, right at the very end, is the kiss. The oh, I, kiss just, me I, I don't have a huge problem with the kiss, but I, I, I understand why kiss. people do, but I don't have a huge and, problem Like, with it. take it again, I like Last Jedi because it was such a feminist film, and as a really strong feminist taking a character that has already had a really good character arc and doesn't need a romance and suddenly giving her it right at the very last moment. Like, yeah. you've resisted for so long giving Rey a <coughs> romantic interest because she doesn't need one, does she? Exactly, she never like, needed one. She, she didn't need one by the end of this film either. That really did annoy me. Like, just, but I think because, I it's, because it's just one kiss, I feel like you can. I don't you know how I feel about yeah, kiss because I don't know how I feel about everything that she's done? 
It, it, it feels like it does that. It feels yeah. like it I do. I do agree. I do agree. I just think that because it's just one kiss, I can turn a blind eye to it. But, it, but I do agree. I do agree. It sends such a strong message. It's like that she's such a powerful female character in this series. But she still needs a guy, apparently. Exactly. <laughs> Until the very end, where no. apparently the only reason that Kylo Ren saved her anyway is because, you know, they're in love. Because he fancied her, Exactly. Yeah. No, fair enough. That's that's I mean, I don't know how I feel about the kiss, because I don't know how I feel about their relationship. I mean, I like... I've seen a lot of comments that it's an abusive relationship. I mean, I see them as more brother and sister. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, that's what I was thinking as well. And I would have been more satisfied if she was related to Luke and was a Skywalker, to be honest. Um, Just so, very, very quickly, um, can we talk about the way that they use Carrie Fisher? Oh, yes, please, let's. In this. Um, Because I, I felt like there was something odd about... I mean, we could talk about the ethics of using dead actors for all. I, d- I don't want to talk about that because Carrie Fisher explicitly said things in the past that indicated she would have loved it. So she would have loved it. In this would case, she have loved this execution of it? No, in this case, no, absolutely. Carrie, I mean, Carrie Fisher said again in, in her not book, what they do in her book that, she, that, that was released shortly before she died. She said that she would not have wanted Princess Leia to die with her. No, but she she shouldn't have been in this film because she's a detriment to this film and she makes it seem shoddy. There is a problem because. I, d- I didn't quite know, uh, to be fair, I didn't know about the technical aspects of what they'd done in the film beforehand. I, I really, I had no idea how they'd put all the scenes together, but something felt odd. It felt like she was responding to dialogue that yeah. was different. Oh yeah, well she it was. It felt like she was she having was. a conversation slightly to the left well, the, of the actual conversation. You make fingers, I've, I've seen... Now i found out what they've actually done, which is that they've repurposed footage from The Force Awakens and Last Jedi. And not Last Jedi, so it's not from Nothing Last from Last Jedi. Because they're... Uh, in right. J.J. Abrams' words, there was no unused footage from The Last Jedi. Just goes to show you, really. Brian Johnson knew what he was doing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, you're there, like, the the half of Leia's conversation that she's having is not... It's half. not half. It's no. not half. It's not half. That's the thing. The two problems I have with it, one of which are that I've seen all those <coughs> scenes and stuff, and some of them are just alternate takes from scenes we, we have seen. So, like, I know where all that footage comes from, so it took me right out of the film. The second problem I have with it is that it's not a balanced conversation ever. It's like Rey no. will say a massive amount of dialogue, and Leia will say, "I agree," and it'll be like, "Oh yeah." It's yeah. A, and it's and the thing I compared it to was you know that Rick and Morty episode where Jerry is just soundboarding, and his boss just keeps going, "Yes, that's <laughs> what it reminded me of." Yeah, and yeah, you, you made a really good point as well of um, yeah that whole Ray thing. Like, there's that scene where Ray basically explains, "I'm gonna go do this, and then I'm gonna go find Palpatine, and like you can't stop me," sort of thing. And then she just goes, "No." And then Ray does like an emotional like, "I know you don't want me to do it, but I will do it because that's what you would do." And because you don't see any footage of her reacting to that or her reacting to anything in this film, it's just it's rubbish. Like, you, first of all, it looks bad because you can see she has clearly been cut and pasted into scenes. Like, the coloration is different compared to her and the scenes that she's in. And they do a really good job of trying to make it not seem like that's the case. Because so many of these scenes are taken from Force Awakens, where they are on that sort of resistance planet, on the resistance base. And they they sort of make a resistance base that looks really similar, so yeah. that it doesn't look too different. But it still looks different, and it still looks despondent. And then there are, there are just, like, first of all, the scenes with her in it always revolve around... The dialogue has to revolve about the lines that revolve around the lines that she has said so there is that whole conversation they have about droids 
purely so she yeah. can say the line, never underestimate a droid. Which or naturally whole, wouldn't have been in the film. Or that one about how things look dire so that Leia can say that line about be optimistic. Yeah. yeah. And then they do that be optimistic thing and then the guy makes a joke of it and is like, oh yeah, things are looking great. And Rose rolls her eyes, Rose rolls her eyes, Rose rolls her eyes and then sort of walks away. But Carrie Fisher doesn't react because obviously she's not there to react. So she's yeah. just sort of sends her and looks stern. Yeah. And that's the problem is that she says lines that don't fit with the film and they have to sort of force them in there. She doesn't look good in the film and she can't react to anything that's going on in the film my answer to this don't have her in the film if it makes the film look bad don't put her in there you don't have to do that I admire the idea and I admire the genuine hard effort that they put into it but it doesn't work it doesn't and I think I think it's because of what you said I think you can't account for the tiny microscopic like almost you can't even notice them tiny little reactive quirks that especially an actor who's as expressive as Carrie Fisher you can't account for that. It will never quite look right. If she's not there, she's not there. Exactly. It'll never quite look right. It's like acting against blue screen. She's not. She's just not really interacting with it. And I think... I admire the idea of it. And I don't have a problem with the ethics of it in this case. Because I think Carrie Fisher definitely would have been okay with it. I do think, though, it does come across quite creepy. And it did, it did sort of unsettle me watching a woman who was dead appear in a film. And it was a creative decision. Like, J.J. Abrams saw that and saw all those scenes and he must have had the exact same concerns that we've had about them. (coughs) Because you can't watch those scenes and not think that's what's happening. Yet, because Carrie Fisher and Leia are a sacred cow and you can't just get rid of them, you can't kill them off screen, they should have just killed them off screen. She should have been dead in the opening crawls and had like some sort of funeral scene at the beginning. That was the point for me where maybe the film should have started. Where Leia is dead. Exactly. She was. She died in. I thought that's what was going to happen. She died en route somewhere. You know. Then everyone's gathered for a funeral. They have a big. And then at the funeral, they have a big discussion about how Kylo Ren has overtaken the First Order, and he's kind of running it with an iron fist, and he's doing this, that, and whatever, and they're wreaking loads of havoc all over the galaxy, and there's your movie. Exactly. You could even you could even give us some dialogue because then you could have Leia is dead. The dead speak. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I, I, look, I. I, um, like, again, I don't want to harken back to everything that Ryan Johnson does right, because it obviously doesn't get things perfect all the time. Jake Hart, Ryan. Yeah, I know, but in The Last Jedi, like, he would not have have been afraid of killing off a sacred cow character. We'll be sitting in a tree if they're in a Disney film. No, (laughs) the whole point of Last Jedi is to sort of get rid of the idea of sacred cows. So he would have had no issue getting rid of Leia straight away because he does it with Admiral Ackbar, and even JJ JJ would even get would have got rid of Admiral Ackbar. Like Admiral Ackbar just sort of dies and he's gone. Admiral Ackbar Jr. is in this movie. Is he? Yes. Oh my god, Ackbar Jr. is in this. So he resurrects Ackbar as well. Yeah. (laughs) So like. JJ just can't kill characters and feels like, oh, because it's a Skywalker saga, she's got to be in this film. But he was making this film and having all these issues, trying to put her in there, and he thought, you know, again, it's just the exact attitude that he has of putting fan service above creating a good film. He looked at it and thought, this does not make for good scenes in a film, doesn't make sense, looks rubbish. But I'm going to put it in anyway because it's what the fans want. That's what he did, and that's what his thought process was for putting Leia in this. And it just speaks volumes for how the whole film is made in general. I like the idea of Leia's death, though. I don't. Again, I don't think it works on screen, but I do like the idea of what happens where she yeah. basically dies Someone the same way Luke does, where she casts herself across the galaxy and the force of it. But why does she only fade away at the end? Because she can't be at peace until she knows that her son is okay. 
that to me makes sense. But it I thought sense. the whole point is like you, you use so much power of the force that you sort of fade away into the force, which is sort of what she does to. No, it's not about that. It's not about using power. It's about being at peace with yourself, and she can't be at peace with herself until Ben is okay. That's something I needed to ask you about because I don't quite understand how it works. So, when Leia beams herself across the galaxy, does she do it to distract Ben on purpose? She senses that there is a final showdown happening between Ben and Rey. And so she thinks, right, I can't wait any longer. I need to speak to him and cast herself across the galaxy, knowing it will kill her. But she speaks to him. But does she know that it will kill him? Um... Because that's essentially what it does until Ray heals. No, because well, no, I, no, because no. Ray's the one that kills. Him. I don't. Think no, no, that's what I mean. No, oh, then like that. it distracts like, him. It, it so distracts him. No, no, no. I don't think she sees that part of it. No, I right. don't think she can see what's happening. I think she can sense that he's in a moment of great conflict. This is the moment to reach out to him, mm. and the force of it kills her. That's the way I see it. Okay, and that she can't move on until he is at peace because she, her, her sense of self depends on him. Um, I think that works, and I like the idea of it. Again, you, it's hard to do without Carrie Fisher being there. Because you, there you know it's not Carrie theory. Fisher doing it. There's a very good theory going, well, it's a two-part theory. The first part I completely agree with, which is that that scene with Han should have been her, and would have been her if she'd been alive. Doing um, a false that I, think is, that I think is self-evident. I think that would... Yeah, that's what would have killed her. She would have well, done the, the thing is, Han's not a the, force ghost in that, is he? He's well, the second part of the like theory that. is that what if Leia... Sent, sent the what if what yeah. if Leia sent that as a way of communicating, like speak to your dad, you know. Coming soon to Disney Plus. So there's that. <laughs> anyway, on that interesting note, should we wrap up? Yeah, um, I meant to ask as well. Are you keeping it with the Mandalorian? Because no, I'm a bit bored of the Mandalorian. I will I will catch up with it, but I'm not enjoying it the, as much as the rest of the fan base are because. I just don't really see the big deal about Mandalorians, really. I think it's a TV show about a costume, mostly. But, um... And Baby Yoda. Not my quote, that comes from my friend, Jane. I just know about Baby Yoda. <laughs> Baby Yoda is lovely. <laughs> so, you remember Boba Fett in the original films and sort of in the prequels? Vaguely. Like the he fell moment. in the vagina once. Yeah, and he's got the cool mask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, fans love him. Yeah, why? I don't understand why that's a thing. I don't me too, no. I it's don't because he was a very popular action figure. No, they love him because his costume is really cool. Right. That's why. Yeah. Okay. And so they've decided to make a TV series about his species of character, which for some reason all wear the same costumes. Um, yeah. I, they well, they're made, like a cult. They purely made that decision to make this because he's got a cool costume. So The Mandalorian, to me, bear in mind I haven't actually seen any of it, it could actually be really good for all I know. Um, it's just essentially a film made because people like his costume. The general consensus, like almost universal, is that it's really good, but I'm just not very interested. Don't know why. Anyway. But I do want to see Baby Yoda, I'm not going to lie. But I just know that they're going to time travel him back to the past and it'll turn into be real Yoda all along. No, that's not good. <laughs> It just feels like that. After, after watching Rise of Skywalker, that is the sort of thing that could have happened in that yeah. film. Mandalorian is very, very, very gritty and realistic. They're not going to think of in trouble. No. You never know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, okay, so do we uh, round up by uh, ranking and ra- rating? Who wants to go first? Andy, I think you should go first. Um, it was. I, I deliberately set some time to think about this because I knew it was going to find it really hard to come up with a score because my feelings about this were so mixed in that I so didn't get what I wanted. And unlike The Last Jedi, I think what I wanted, <laughs> you know, was probably better than what we got. Whereas in Last Jedi, I was like, I didn't get what I wanted, and great, because what you've done is better. 
not the case this time. Um, I would say to um, you know, I do a podcast about Lost where we constantly have to defend the show against it. They didn't answer this. They didn't answer this. And I say to people who wanted answers from J.J. Abrams, be careful what you wish for. Because then you get this film. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of um, Lost fans who have come into this film kind of going, feel ah, vindicated. you're not going to get what you want. And, yes. Yeah. Um, anyway, I, I think... As, a, as an ending, I think it's pretty functional. I think it clearly is the ending. Um, and I like what they did with Ray, who that's the most important thing to me, really. I think there are so many little things I didn't like. I think, objectively, as a film, it's quite badly made, and I can't look past that. And it is a disappointment, but it's not outright bad, I don't think. So I'm going to give it a six. Cool. I think it's about the same you gave a Phantom Menace, I think. Yeah, and I think that's about the level. I would, yeah. 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 Uh, Jake? Um, I have a lot of personal dislike for this film mm-hmm. purely because of its disrespect to The Last Jedi which um, we know this because of what I said I wanted from a Star Wars film before The Last Jedi came out The Last Jedi was a, what I wanted Star Wars to become so it was like I loved it for the opposite reason well not for the opposite reasons but no you did love it for the opposite reasons for the opposite reasons that Andy yeah. did is that like um, Andy had an idea of what the film was going to be I had an idea of what the film was going to be and what the film was was basically the idea of what I wanted the film to be at least in terms of its theme and the way that it worked um, and this is the complete opposite because it reverses all of that it's, it almost makes me feel like personally like not attacked but just personally annoyed that the investment that I put into The Last Jedi is no sort of like well, it doesn't matter anymore because none of that matters in Star Wars anymore and Star Wars is not going in the direction. You know, this film has not gone the way that I thought it would, um, which is disappointing. But moving beyond that personal disappointment of what it's done to The Last Jedi, there are real consequences, not just in Star Wars, but in real life, which is the real the thing I cannot forgive this film for in terms of what it does to characters of minorities, especially to Kelly Marie Tran. Like, that makes me physically angry that it's done that to a character that was so important in The Last Jedi and has made it okay to bully someone, essentially, because he's given in and he said, yeah, you don't like her, you think she's crap because she's a woman of colour, so we're going to get rid of her at this film. That's essentially what's happened here, and that I can't forgive the film for. So that is the major grievance I have with this film, beyond it being a complete fan service film written by people from Reddit. That is what this film is. Um, in light of that, like, I still enjoyed watching it. It was, well... I think I enjoyed watching it. I groaned a lot watching it, but, you know, it was sort of enjoyable. There was action, stuff happened. It's not badly made, and, like, it's not... And it doesn't commit the crime of being incredibly boring. It gets, you know, it gets a reaction out of me. Um, I just... uh, I just don't like this film very much because of what it is. And in that case, I'm going to have to give it a four out of ten. And I know I was joking about you being very negative and stuff, but you know you do have a right to that. I think I think I think I completely appreciate all of the reasons why you dislike that this film, and I don't think there's anything you've said that is unfair. Um, I think I'm just a little bit, you know. Well, I'm the more, I'm a bit more forgiving because I'm a deeper, you know, more sort of committed fan. Whereas you are probably specifically a fan of the Last Jedi. And, and so, Force Awakens, and in that sense, I actually can't argue with anything you've said, really. Yeah, yeah like I've had the opposite reaction to you. I'm probably being more negative than what the general <coughs> audience would be, or general audience should be, just because of my visceral reaction to how this compares to the last Jedi. Whereas you're obviously possibly being a bit more positive because you're just such a big fan of Star Wars in general. Yeah, but that's just how it works. Not, and, not be, yeah. You know, I I can't be unbiased about this because that's just my opinion. And if again, if you don't like it, like it, deal with it. Yeah. 
Um, I'll go next. I'm gonna give this a just a five. And no, this is quite a a, a big occasion now no. because any Star Wars films that come out after this point, we will all be newbies together. And this one, to be fair, we will all newbies together. Yeah, but like you know, and Solo, yeah. and Solo, yeah. yeah. But like any any Star Wars films that come out after well, this, I rated now, this film higher than I rated Solo. Uh, lower than I rated Solo. Well, I suppose I when when Solo came out, you hadn't seen um, Force Awakens or Last Jedi. No. We watch those afterwards. So now you've seen everything there is, and anything afterwards will always be a continuation. You won't be catching up, mm. is what I mean. So we will all be completely new to it, completely. Yeah. And so, welcome to the fandom. Oh, she's been part of it for ages. Uh, she's on a podcast a, about Star Wars. She's in been a, in the fandom. In, in a big, yeah. in, in, but now. Can I just say, uh, we picked out some cushion covers. The other, this is totally unrelated. That's true. Um, and I picked them out, and they're Star Wars ones. Yeah. Right? So I'm a Star Wars fan. <laughs> not, not only just Star Wars fan. You have been for ages now. We're tell, well yeah. Yeah. tell us your conclusions for this film. I'm gonna rate it a six. So on par with Andy. Um, I can't remember what I rated Solo, but I'd say it's slightly better than that. I think we all said slightly about the same. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it was enjoyable as a standalone film. It was, it was fun, mm. exciting. There was, there was never a kind of boring or like weird dull moment or like <laughs> any kind of lull yeah <laughs> nowhere near Attack of the Clones um, and I don't have as many of the gripes as you lot do because I feel like I'm just not as attached to the whole franchise no no. because I've only seen him three once so I've not seen any film any of those films twice so yeah so I feel like six is fair it's not as good as things like Force Awakens and Last Jedi but they were your two highest rated ones weren't they yeah I think I <coughs> yeah, they were. A ten and a nine, or maybe yeah. two tens, I can't remember. So it is still a big drop then, you still consider this? Yeah, I don't think it's as good as Force Awakens, for sure, and definitely not as good as Last Jedi either. Were um, you disappointed when you came out of the cinema? No, I was kind of just indifferent to it, like, I wasn't disappointed, but I wasn't ecstatic by it either, I was kind of just like, oh, well that was alright, like... Not as good as it could have been. Did the job, yeah, did it, I it's mean... It's like, oh, it's stuck London, and that's... Yeah, that's yeah, it did what it needed to do, and that was fine, by me, like... I feel like I'm just not as invested as everyone in terms of like. No, but films. that's like that's, that's not a bad thing because that's that's the whole reason we started doing this is because you've got that different perspective. Yeah, whereas you guys yeah. tend to mm, yeah, sometimes like, really a lack of investment. And, yeah, and you are right. right. You are right. This film is all right. Like it, it's not like a dreadful film by any means, but like because of its it being a Star Wars film, it's like when a Pixar film is just okay, it's it feels more damaging than if it was almost entirely yeah, a Star Wars. Yeah, because you, like, you expect Pixar to be amazing all the time. Exactly, and yeah. like you don't necessarily expect that with Star Wars because we've had Solo, and we've had, you know, Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones, which, you know, none of which are like amazing films or great mm. films by any stretch. So, you know, you know Star Wars can be crap sometimes, but it's still sort of special? like... <laughs> exactly, yeah. But like... It's definitely not that bad. It being so mediocre that it's basically like, meh, whatever, is like in itself a bit of a disappointment. Mm. It's better than last year's Christmas special episode, though. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. When we did the holiday special. Oh my god. Yeah, that geez. was the worst thing I've ever watched. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we will. Rebel Trumps ourselves will be back with um, Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince, right? With yeah, the next one. Yay! See you, Half Blood Prince! See you Bye! Later.